on air, Fan for Racing Radio. It is Monday night, March the 6th, and tonight we are doing our Las Vegas NASCAR race review along with our Hot Topic Sound Off at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Now, joining me shortly will be our co-host, Sal Segala, but in the meantime, I'm going to go ahead and do our agenda so that everybody knows what to expect on our show here tonight. So we're going to start with the latest short track news. Then we'll offer some Marco Menard series, the East and the West series updates. Uh, at the top of the hour, we'll start doing our NASCAR Truck and Xfinity Series race review. Uh, and those races were at Las Vegas Motor Speedway this past weekend. And then at 9.30, we have a Legends Series driver, uh, guest of Sal Segala, Nathan Cloa, will be joining the conversation. And uh, Sal will be talking to him about his racing career and a recent win. Afterward, we'll do our NASCAR Cup Series review at Las Vegas. And at 10 o'clock, as I mentioned earlier, we'll have our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off conversation with our Fan for Racing crew. And we have a full house tonight with Jay, Andy, and Mike all coming on board at 10 o'clock. So uh, <clears throat> joining me here shortly, as I mentioned, should be Sal Segala. So uh, hopefully he'll be here uh, fairly soon. And uh, we'll get into our short track news. I can go ahead and get started with that. But in the meantime, I want to send him just a quick note uh, to see if he's ready for tonight. Sometimes... Uh, you never know. Uh, okay, so note has been sent, and uh, hopefully we'll hear from Sal here very quickly. All right, uh, let's get into the short track news, um, <clears throat> and uh, I'm going to start with some dirt track news first, uh, as is our way of doing things here on Monday night. Uh, there's the revival of the Pennsboro Speedway, and it's about to get ready and underway. And uh, Barry Braun posted that on Twitter. That's how we know about it. So we appreciate the, the uh, tweet. And then also, Dason Persley is going to race full-time in the USAC Midget National Midget Racing with Reinbold Underwood Motorsports this year. Again, that was uh, from USAC Media. So uh, we're happy to hear that. I was, I'm hoping Sal comes on here shortly because I'm wondering if he is related to Greg Persley. Uh, some of you that have been with us for a while might remember we used to have Greg Persley on the show with us from the old k Pro Series days, and uh, uh, it's very possible that they are related. So uh, maybe Sal can let us know here in a few minutes when he joins us. Also, veteran crew chief Randall Edwards will work with Garrett Smith's performance this year after leaving his prior deal with Tyler Erb. Um, that is from a Facebook post from Garrett Smith's performance. So, uh, again, we appreciate people posting these things so that we know what's going on in the dirt world. And then also, Will Harrington claimed the Spring National Series race at Sonoya raceway this past saturday and that's from flow racing so uh really some good info there 
uh, from Flow Racing. Uh, Flow Racing is one of our go-to websites, by the way, for uh, short track news and any kind of uh, local short track racing that you want to hear about. Uh, you can get a lot of that over at Flow Racing. Sal, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sharon. I've already gone through the dirt notes. I have a question for you real quick. Uh, I posted it on our team's page, but uh, Dason Persley, he's going to be racing full-time in the USAC National Midget Racing this year. Uh, Is he related to Greg Persley? No, no, he isn't. He's not. Okay. Just thought I would ask. Yeah. Yeah, Greg doesn't have any, any brothers. Well, I thought he might be a son or something. Nah, oh. his son's name is Taylor. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. now we're going to move on to the short track notes that I've uh, posted for you over on Teams. Uh, do you want to start with the South Boston Speedway note? Uh, yeah. Let me look. Let me. Oh, here we go. Okay, um, South Boston is going. Yeah, I, I was reading about that the other day. I couldn't believe it. They're going to put it up for sale, uh, but only to a group committed to racing. And you can read that over at Matt, over at uh, Short Track Scene once again. Um, Matt Weaver, you know, follows the the uh, Short Tracks and brings in a lot of information over. So that's yes, something you can read about. Boy, that's that's horrible news. Yes, it is. Uh, we're going to be uh, talking about that on Hot Topic Conversation tonight as well. Uh, we've got it on the uh, list of hot topics anyway. So, But, yeah, that was uh, kind of a surprise to see that. And then Greenville Pickens Speedway fans are less lucky. Uh, that track has been listed for sale and redevelopment, and that's also from Short Track Scene. Uh, definitely uh, not happy to hear uh, that uh, short track Pickens Speedway will be uh, kind of re- repurposed, if you will, uh, for development. So uh, it, it, we've seen a trend of this happening, Sal, and uh, it makes me sad because, as you know, we promote uh, people going to some of these short track races all the time. Yeah, it is sad. It's sad to see, you know, when you hear of a track, you know, it's going to be closing up, and especially you know, tracks that, you know, seen some big races and, um, you know, uh, that were real popular, you know, with the, you know, with the short track racing community. Yep. Okay. Our next note here. Our next note is, um, Matt Hirschman picked up a smart modified tour win at Florence Motor Speedway. He was, he was, uh, a big lucky to take it, and that that once once again you can read it at short track scene uh, with Matt Weaver. Okay. Also, Seth Christensen took an unexpected win in the Alabama 200. Also, you can read about that also at short track scene, and uh, again, it just is an indication of a lot of short track racing going on all over the country. Yeah, then from there, then we go to uh, Brendan Queen scored the Battle of the Stars victory at the New River All-America Speedway. Um, Andy Marquis joined up with um, 
with uh, with Matt to help him with some of the stuff. Andy used to write for um, Race22.com, and uh, when Race22 went went under, um, Andy kind of took a backseat role. Oh, gosh, I can't remember where he was writing at, but then um, now he's with Matt over here helping him at um, a short track scene. Yes, indeed, and I've seen this posted on Twitter and all over the place as well. Uh, Doug Barnes swept the opening twin 40s at Hickory Motor Speedway this weekend, and again, you can read about that from Matt Weaver over at your track scene. Yeah, then um, after that, uh, we go to several Midwest drivers are venturing to Five Flags Speedway for the ASF, ASA Stars National Tour opener. We talked about this last week. Derek Thorne is, is one of the drivers who's making a trek all the way from out here from California, along with Jeremy Doss and um, uh, Jeremy Doss and um, Jacob Gomes, Jeremy Doss, and Derek are coming from California. Then uh, Preston Peltier is also making the trek. Oh, Blaine Rocha is also making uh, the trek yeah. out there too. To, to yeah, they the have the entry there, list. So. They have the yeah, oh yeah, yeah, they have the Race in America too. So basically, this is this is like I talked to Steve Stokes from uh, from um, Five Flags Speedway. He said this is going to be kind of like a miniature, a mini um, snowball derby, per se. Oh, cool. Uh, you got Ty Majeski, Ty Majeski, that's going to be making a start over there, as well as um, Carson Hosevar will also be uh, will also and be Grant in the. Finger. And and Grant Infinger, yeah, Grant, yeah, Grant's a Grant's a regular over there at Five Flights, so it's going to be a good, um, it's going to be a really good showing. And another big name that that is in the racing world is Bubba Pollard. He's making a commitment to run for the championship in the ASA Stars National Tour, so uh, he'll be there too. Yeah, Bubba. Yeah, he's he's definitely making a. He, he, you know, he committed to that. Um, he used to run the ASA. Actually, when it was the CRA, he ran for the championship and all that. So it's going to be, it's going to be good. And then from there, then we go down to the former ASA broadcast teammates, Ralph Sheehan and Jim Tretro are reuniting for the series. So they'll be up there in the broadcast booth once again. Yep. Yep. I remember both of those guys. And uh, it's going to be fun to see them uh, be the broadcast team over there. Okay. <laughs> it says, here's an effective state of the union for super light model racing heading into what may be the discipline's most important season of a generation. So uh, it's an article by Matt Weaver over at Short Track Scene. If you want to know more about that, that's the teaser uh, to get you over to Short Track Scene and read up more about it. So uh, a lot going on in the short track world. Uh, I mentioned Flow Racing. We've mentioned Racing America and Short Track Scene. Those are three websites all dedicated to short track racing uh, news and uh, storylines. So, uh, again, we want to encourage anybody who has a short track in their neighborhood or in their neck of the woods uh, if you get a chance to get out there to the track, do so because these tracks really need the support of the local community. Oh yeah, they do. They uh, without the local community, they can't. They won't. They won't survive. And 
you know, we've seen them time and time again, you know, where, you know, you need to get out there and support them and, you know, and see these, these, uh, you know, the up coming stars of, uh, you know, our NASCAR and ARCA and, um, Craftsman Truck and Xfinity Series drivers. That's right. So, okay, so that's uh, what's going on in the short track world. Uh, we're a couple minutes early, but let's go ahead and move over to the Arca Menard Series. Uh, they are racing this coming weekend, and Jay and I will uh, preview those races. Uh, it's actually the Arca Menard Series and the Arca West are racing out of Phoenix Raceway. Uh, this coming weekend, and uh, they will be racing the general title 150 at 8 p.m. Eastern time, and it will be televised on Fox Sports 2. So uh, look for our preview of that race uh, coming up on Thursday night, and then the ARCA East doesn't have their season opener until March 25th out at Five Flag Speedway, the Pensacola 200, again, will be at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and that will be live-streamed on Flow Racing. But, uh, Sal, there's all kinds of news over at uh, ARCAracing.com that fans should check out. Yeah, you got to get out there and check it out and, and see what's going on with the uh, with Arkham and Art Series. As, you know, like Sharon said, you know, they'll be making their, they'll be making their start this uh this weekend at the um, actually I think it's Friday night is when the um, West takes to the track over at uh, over at um, uh, Phoenix Phoenix International Raceway. Yes, and then after we found out that the Sioux Chief Showdown was being eliminated this year, I'm really happy to see that the CBS Imaging. Uh, is returning as the entitlement sponsor of the Arkham and Art Series Four Crown Series Championship, and uh, you can read about that over at uh, ArcaRacing.com. The Four Crown races are going to include the April 22nd race out of Talladega Super Speedway, the June 24th race at Elko Speedway, July 7th at the Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course, and then on August 20th at Illinois State Fairgrounds. So they've got a a lot of different types of tracks that are included there, a super speedway, a short track. You've got the sports car road course, and then, of course, the dirt race at Illinois State Fairgrounds. So it's all these different types of tracks, and there will be a champion who has the best finishes at those four tracks this year. Yes, that's like the uh, – the SRL uh, is doing their um, their kind of like national tour for the super late models. So this way, a driver doesn't have to actually run every race to run for the championship. They're going to go by um, how much money they win throughout the course of I forget how many races it is, and then mm-hmm. the highest, the one that's won the most money is going to be declared the champion. That's going to make it nice for a lot of these a lot of these. Uh, Drivers, you know, that are going to be running, you know, both uh, the, um, you know, they, that are going to be going back and forth from ARCA, mm-hmm. you know, to running, you know, all these all these short track races because uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, ARCA racing going on. This, uh, and there are quite a few people who, who have, uh, who race in both the SRL and the uh, uh, ARCA Menards. ARCA. Series. 
Yes, yes, yeah. there's going to be a, there's going to be a lot of them taking place. And uh, so what uh, Ricky Brooks did was rather than rather than do it by points, he decided to do his by um, by uh, you know by amount of money once. So this way you don't know, give if you miss one or two races and you win three or four, you know you still have a shot at that uh, at the championship. Right. Getting back to the uh, CGS. Uh, Imaging Four Crown Championship. It dates back to 1984, uh, and that's when uh, future NASCAR Hall of Famer Davey Allison won that inaugural title. Since then, there's been 26 other drivers that have earned that Four Crown Championship, including series champions Lee Raymond, Tracy, Leslie, Bob Keselowski, Bobby Bowser, Bill Venturini, Tim Steele, Frank Kimmel, Bill Baird, Chris Buescher, Grant Infinger, Chase Briscoe, Austin Terrio, Brett Holmes, and Ty Gibbs have all won that four-crown championship. So it's going to be fun to see who it is this season. Yes, well, it's definitely going to be something to, uh, something to uh, keep your eye on. Okay. Um the Pinnacle Racing Group and Luke Fenhouse are going to contend for the East Series title. Then you've got Ryan Roulet, who is entering team ownership and partners with VFW for West events. Uh, Tanner Reif, Smotherman are going to join Loudon Jackson Motorsports for East and West races. And then we talked about this last week. Driver Sebastian Arias teams with Rev Racing for a pair of West Series races. So a lot of people uh, signing up to race in these ARCA races. Oh yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a uh, 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 good season this year, especially seeing how the um, how the uh, Loudon Jackson team does because the Jacksons are they're from uh, gosh they're you talk about an, an old school. An old school uh, um, chassis builder that you know that they, they, they came back into the ARCA series this past season. They ran the last few races with uh, R.J. Smotherman and Chris Loudon, and then they picked up Tyler Reif. I think it was the last two races when they picked up Tyler Reif, but then they ended up signing on um, uh, Tyler Reif and R.J. Smotherman. Chris Loudon isn't going to be running. I don't think he's going to be running that many races this year. I think it's going to be, from what I understand, it's going to be all Tyler and uh, all Tyler and and, and, uh, and RJ. Okay. Well, that sounds pretty cool. Uh, <clears throat> it's, and then if you want to learn more about it, actually it's Tyler Wright we're talking about uh, that is going yeah, to be racing Tanner. for the arcade. Yeah, not yeah. Tanner. It's Tyler. Uh, so I just caught that. Uh, also, they tell you who the crew chiefs are going to be, and you can get more information about that over at ArcaRacing.com, just as an FYI there. Uh, now, during some of these races, it's good to know uh, that Arca Racing always has a radio broadcast that's going. They also have Race Center that gives you live updates directly from the track. So you can always find out exactly what's going on uh, throughout these races over at ArcaRacing.com. Uh, but uh, every once in a while, they'll be on FS2, like they are uh, this coming weekend at uh, Phoenix, or 
there's going to be the delayed broadcast uh, that are taking place this week as well. And ARCA Racing has a list of those broadcast dates for every single race in the ARCA Menard Series, the ARCA East, and the ARCA West. And, for example, the race at Phoenix that's taking place this weekend, there is no <laughs> um, there is no uh, delayed broadcast because it's going to be broadcast live on Fox Sports 2. But when they get to Five Flags Speedway, there, it'll be live streamed on Flow Racing, but there'll be a delayed broadcast of the entire race on April 2nd at 9 a.m. Eastern Time on CNBC, a big partnership with CNBC this year for those delayed broadcasts. Yeah, and, and actually the, 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 the delayed broadcasts are nice for those of you that don't want to pay the money, you know, to uh, you to uh, to pay the subscription to uh, Flow TV. So, you know, like I said, you know, it's really a nice little, uh, you know, um, it's, it's it's a nice way, you know, to see the race, even though, you, you you know, you've already heard who won, but, you know, you know, at least you get to go back and, you know, see the actual race itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, have, I, I, they've got the entry list up for uh, the Arkham Menard Series race at uh, Phoenix this weekend, Sal. Do you have a, a favorite pick for this weekend out of Phoenix? You know what? I really don't. It's it's. Let me see what I have. Gosh. You know, I can't even find the um the the entry list. Yeah, the entry list, because usually it's right there in the front. Yeah, usually it's in the articles here, too, and I'm, I'm looking, too. Yeah. And I, I thought, sure, it was going to be in there, and it's not. So, complete schedule, tickets, well, they'll put and it up. no they'll entry put it up list. So the entry list isn't out yet, yeah. but hopefully by Thursday uh, we'll have it'll, that. It'll be but up it tomorrow. Is, it'll be up tomorrow? Yeah, it'll be up tomorrow. They, they, yeah, they put them up on Tuesdays. There, there, okay. there, there's a preliminary list up. Um, it, it's going to be tough because there's, I'm sure there's, the preliminary list I've seen is all is all West drivers. There's no East drivers in there. So but I'm the, sure, the you know. But the Arkham series is going to be there too. It's going to be a combined event between the Arkham Art series and the Arca West. No, I know. But what I'm saying is that they only have, the preliminary list I've seen only has the West drivers. It doesn't have the East or the regular or the Arkham and Arch drivers. It's just got oh, the West okay. drivers. So, so basically what he did, basically what Vincent did was he just got all here, – here he knows who, who, all, who the West drivers are, what teams are on. So basically what Vincent did was just put all the West drivers up. He has to put the whole complete – the whole complete – um uh the whole complete um, list of because he hasn't got he had entry list because he hasn't gotten the East and whoever else you know from uh, you know from NASCAR who might you know decide to you know go ahead and get in there you know and get some up uh, and get some seat okay. time. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll watch for that. Uh, we'll definitely have it for Thursday night show, and uh, we'll be able to give you the complete list on Thursday night. 
but uh, uh, it's going to be the season opener for the ARCA West and the second race on the schedule for the Arkham Menard Series. One race, but two different series racing together. So uh, always, uh, always fun when NASCAR does that with the uh, ARCA Series. Are you going to be yeah, there? Yeah, yes, it is. No, nah, I was, you know, I, I didn't even get my, unless they sent it tomorrow, but I didn't even get the email for the, um, for the credential. And, and, um, and then I'm, I'm doing this port project over here at the port of Long Beach. We fell behind oh. because of rain and inclement weather. So um, I can't even get the time off. I mean, I, I just took the, the week and a half off to, to do New York last, last month. And, um, and this port project, I have to. I, I'm the only one that can that can from my company that that's cleared to go on the, to go into the port of LA. So I have to finish it, or else I would have, or else I would have taken the Friday and gone down there and you know done oh, Friday okay. and done the whole weekend. I'm pretty sure I submitted the request for you for Phoenix. Was yeah. that one of the transfers you, only? Yeah, that was, and you know, and and, and usually. Usually they'll send you a, you know, either a yay or a nay, and I haven't even gotten anything. But then, two for Auto Club, they didn't they didn't approve us until Sunday night. For oh, Auto Club. Wow. Yeah. Well, last time you got the notification, I didn't know until I talked to you that you were approved. Yeah. So, uh, you have to keep me posted if you do get anything. But uh, I certainly understand your situation there. But anyway, I just thought you might have an early favorite uh, for that might win that race. Uh, it's it's going to be a big race. Usually, when the Arkham Art Series and the uh, West or the East race together, uh, there's there's a, a big field. So uh, I can't wait to see what that entry list looks like. No, yeah, I'm 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 looking forward to it too, but like I said, they usually put the the list usually comes out. It'll come out Tuesday morning for the for the whole thing. Okie doke. Uh, well, let's go ahead and move on now then to the uh, to the NASCAR Truck Series. They raced on Friday night. Uh, the Victoria's Voice Foundation 200, presented by Westgate Resorts. The winner was Kyle Busch at the age of 37, driving the number 51 KBM Chevrolet with crew chief Brian Patty. Uh, it was his 63rd victory and 166 Craftsman Truck Series races, his first victory and first top 10 finish this year, and his fourth victory and seventh top 10 finish in seven races at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Zane Smith posted his fourth top 10 finish in six races at Las Vegas and his second top 10 finish this season. Ben Rhodes finished third, posting his eighth top 10 finish in 12 races at Las Vegas. Jake Garcia finished 10th. He was the highest finishing rookie of the race. And uh, this was a good one. Uh, I, did you watch it? Yeah, I did. I did end up watching it. We, um, gosh, I forget what I was doing that. I came home early from work Friday and was able, was, was able to catch it. So it was, uh. Well, Cal Bush pretty was, much uh, dominated. Oh, yeah. He, yes, he, he did. Led a, <laughs> re, 
he led a race high 84 of the 134 lap race. Uh, and it marked his first trip to Victory Lane with a Chevrolet and his Kyle Busch Motorsports team since swapping manufacturers during the off season. The defending series champion and Daytona race winner Zane Smith won the opening stage and finished second. And as we mentioned, Ben Rhodes finished third. Then it was Corey Heim, Ty Majewski, Christian Eckes, Carson Hosevar, Chase Purdy, Grant Dinfinger, and Jake Garcia rounding out that top ten. And Carson Hosevar was the driver winning the second stage. There were 16 lead changes among eight drivers and six cautions for 27 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race was 118.293 miles per hour. Your thoughts about those top ten? Yeah, it was a, like you said, it was another uh, it was another dominated performance by um, <clears throat> by Kyle Busch. Um, I know Zane Smith was kind of kind of bummed out, you know, that he couldn't grab that win. But um, gosh, there was nobody that was gonna that was gonna deny Kyle this um, this win, especially at his home track, and you know, to open up the weekend, you know, out here at um, Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Uh, you know, um, it was good to see Jake Garcia. You know, of course, he said he yeah. was the highest finishing rookie. Um, Jake, Jake did a lot of super late model racing back um, back east. You know, Five Flags, New um, uh, um, and tracks like that. And you know, I've seen Jake. You know, at the Snowball Derby every year for the past gosh, I don't know, six, seven, eight years. He's raced a couple times here at Irondale. But um, you know, it was good to see you know Bill, you know a Bill McAnally truck, you know, get up there, you know, in the, in the mm-hmm. uh, actually both him and Christian Eckes, since they are teammates, you know, sixth and sixth and tenth, you know, um, you know to see the uh, you know the B the HM actually the HMR trucks or MHR trucks, you know, um, you know get up there and, and grab that and uh, gosh, Kyle just really put a uh, like a, a clinic on, per se. He did. You know. He certainly did. If you're wondering what happened to some of the ones <clears throat> that you expected to be at the front and they weren't there, Josh Rayum, uh actually was out on lap four with a transmission issue to his car. Uh, Brett Holmes had an accident on lap 16, taking him out of the race. Brendan Poole had an issue with his rear gear on lap 20. Haley Deegan was involved in an accident on lap 59, taking her out of the race. John Hunter Nemechek broke a lot of people's hearts uh, when he had a vibration uh, that ended up taking him out of the race on lap 98. A lot of people had him tagged to win. And then Nick Sanchez uh, on lap 103 had an accident that took him out of the race. So that was a shame. Uh, but getting back to Kyle Busch uh, and and the dominance that he had, he won by a margin of victory of 4.981 seconds over second place Zane Smith. So uh, you're right. He, he put on a clinic. <clears throat> yeah, he was – there was nobody who was going to catch him. I, I know I know Carson Osovar, he, he, he challenged him a few times, you know, on some of those restarts. But um, – you know, Kyle just proved, you know, the talent, 
you know, and, and just the speed of his truck, you know, that, that there was nobody, you know, he was, he was not going to be denied that. Um, <clears throat> he was not going to be denied that truck when, you know, especially, you know, racing, you know, for his own team. Uh, you know, it was just, it was just not going to happen on that um, Friday night. Well, anytime Kyle Busch is entered, you got to consider him one of the favorites to win uh, in the uh, truck series or the Xfinity series. Uh, but let's take a look at what the points report says because uh, Kyle Busch isn't eligible for points in the NASCAR truck series. So um, we'll find out how the truck series guys are doing after two races. Yeah, so after two races um... – uh, we already know that Zane Smith is locked in because of his one win. Uh, he's already punched his ticket in, so he's uh, he's uh, he's he's guaranteed a spot in the chase. And actually, Zane uh, Smith is, is leading the points after two races. And then second is uh, is is Ty Majeski. Third is Christian Eckes. Fourth is uh, Matt Crafton. Fifth is Ben Rhodes. And uh, six is Brandon Infinger, seventh Carson Osovar, eighth is Matt Di Benedetto, ninth is Tanner Gray, and ten is Chase Purdy. Wow, it's pretty close up there at the top. But if you think about it, the top five drivers, actually top six drivers, they're separated by what twelve points? <coughs> yeah. So it's and, pretty uh, yeah. tight. Yeah, it is. You know, and I think this is going to be a good season for for uh, for uh, for um, MHR racing, especially with Christian Eckes, who has a lot of experience behind the wheel of that, yeah. you know, behind the wheel of the truck. You know, sitting in third, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure he, he'll be one that'll make the chase, and I'm sure he'll be one, you know, that'll be contained for the chase. Um, it's good to see the the you know, veteran Matt Crafton, you know, still. Still holding his own in there. And, uh, yeah, he certainly is. You know, I think there's a Hall so, of Fame uh, spot for Matt Crafton waiting for him. Oh yeah, and, and you know, I'm sure you know we're going to see a few. <clears throat> I'm, see, I'm sure we're going to see a few a few changes. You know, as the uh, as the season go, as the season progresses. Yeah, I think you're right. I think as the season moves forward, uh, we will hear uh, a few things. Uh, if you want, I, we can listen to a little bit of audio here uh, from Kyle Busch. Uh, it's it's a long audio piece, so we won't be able to hear all of it, uh, the actual audio piece from his uh, win uh, in the media center after – whoops, hold on, I got the wrong – after winning at uh, Las Vegas, uh, the actual uh, – audio goes for 11 minutes i'm sorry 12 minutes but uh if you want we can listen to at least a couple minutes there and then talk about it okay okay this is kyle bush for the number eight uh actually that's not the one i wanted to listen to i want to listen to after he won on Friday night, yeah, Kyle Busch, driver of the number 51, Kyle Busch Motorsports Chevrolet. It's actually 15 minutes in length uh, and a little bit more, but we're only going to listen to maybe about four or five minutes. So uh, here's Kyle Busch. All right, we've now been joined by our race winner, Kyle Busch, driver of the number 
51 Chevrolet. Kyle, welcome back to Las Vegas and back to Victory Lane. Tell us a little bit about that race tonight. Yeah, thanks. It was uh, super good, super great. Um, you know, just excited about the opportunity of getting out there in, um, you know, our KBM trucks again and, you know, through all of the unknowns and question marks, everything surrounding our team and all that late last year, uh, you know, this feels really, really good to come out of Daytona and sit on the pole there, uh, all three trucks in the top ten, and then to come here, qualify one, two, three, and um, and be able to go out there and race to a victory tonight was uh, was super awesome. So it uh, wouldn't have been possible without great sponsors of uh, Zari's Transport. Um, you know, it's just great partner of ours, new to the sport, new to us. Um, they're here this, this weekend celebrating tonight with us, so it's just a lot of fun and a lot of great things right now for KBM, and of course being with Chevrolet is super helpful. Um, you know, great partners before, and um, you know, excited about being able to put the bow tie back in victory lane with KBM. All right, now we're going to go to questions. If you have a question, raise your hand. We'll get a mic to you. We'll start with Reed. Uh, Reed Spencer with NASCAR Wire Service. Uh, you said you had a couple of dicey moments out there. Can you explain what you had to do when you got beside Dee Benedetto to keep your truck off of his and then to keep it off the wall? Yeah. Um, I don't I don't know why it had to be that difficult. Um, that was frustrating for sure. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they're trying to stay on the lead lap, whatever. If a caution comes out, I get it. But, um, you know, I got to the inside of them, I think, twice. And that, that time I was to the inside of them in the middle of the corner. And, you know, you start slipping off the bottom a little bit when you're that inside truck. But when you're the outside truck and you buzz back by a guy's door, you know, that, that takes all the air off his truck and you can spin him out. And I about lost it and, and spun out, you know. So um, that's just not cool. So, um, you know, we had a really fast Silverado. He's kind of in the same camp. So, you know, you kind of expect a little bit better from some of those guys. But um, it all ended out okay. Um, there was one other moment, but I can't really remember what it was. I think I was actually by myself, but all good. All right, Bob. Bob Hawkers, Fox Sports. I have two. The first is, how would you analyze your chances of sweeping this weekend? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I'd like to say that I'm a little bit more optimistic about tomorrow, but I still got to get with my guys on that uh, college racing Chevrolet. Um, you know, our LA Golf Camaro was a little off today. Uh, just a lot of a big difference um, of what I'm accustomed to racing in the Xfinity Series, which I haven't been in the Xfinity Series in a year, but um, just driving that car was was bit difficult and so I asked for a lot of changes and I got to start in the back anyways so I told him to put it on scales and <laughs> wholesale that thing and hopefully get it a lot better for me for tomorrow so um but hopefully the cup car is good and uh, we'll have a good Alisco Chevy for Sunday and we can be fast there we'll see what happens with that and practice tomorrow and how stressful was the whole pit crew situation and what was it like to have guys sitting your truck the first time with just aren't crew guys anymore yeah that was that was uh not fun but you know it, w it was what it was unfortunately i guess there was an airplane break and they had to fly in a plane and they were late getting here and whatever whatever so um you know i guess it just goes to show you, you should leave a little earlier <laughs> don't cut it so close um i've been in those predicaments once or twice maybe in my in my lifetime and i've kind of tried to learn the lesson of go early um you know so all in all just frustrating to, to have that happen. Uh, we paid a lot of money to the airline service as well as to uh, our partners at RCR with the pit crew to have those guys here. So it's nice when 
you do get good pit stops from them like we did at the end. So um, glad they made it. Okay. That's, yeah, a couple of frustrating situations there for Kyle, but uh, in the end he won the race. Uh, but that plane, I remember seeing that on social media that uh, a plane was arriving late, and that meant that some of the teams were starting the race without their pit crew. That had to be stressful. Yeah, that matter of fact, MHR was one of them too. They had talked about you know, you know about their pit crew. You know, they they basically ran, um, you know, to get there. But the um, I guess the police when they gave them all a, an escort from the airport. You know, to oh, get them cool. all, you know, to get them all there on time, you know, so they, you know, this way, you know, they could, uh, they go out there and do their job, you know, and, uh, man, but like Kyle says, you know what, you know, um, next time leave it a little bit earlier, uh, mm-hmm. it's been kind of, kind of close. And, you know, it proved out what we say all the time, Sal. Our viewership was up for that truck series race, and I think it's because Kyle Bush was in it. Yeah, I mean, the fans, they want to see him race, you know, as much as they, they dislike him, you know, you know, all the, you know, haters, you know, they, they still want to see, you know, uh, you know, they still want to see their cup drivers, you know, inside, you know, racing in these series, especially Kyle, you know, because Kyle always puts on a good show. And, and um, you know, even, even the younger drivers, you know, talk about, you know, you know, Kyle, you know, that they like him, you know, when he comes and races in the, in the series, you know, they say, you know, for them, you know, it's, uh, you know, they get to follow him around the track, you know, see what lines he races, you know what, and this way, you know, they can pick up, you know, pointers and tips, you know, for the next time, you know, they're out there or, you know, even during the race, you know, to try and, you know, stay up with him. You know, it's, you know, it's just, I mean, it's, I guess you could say it's a, it's a win-win situation for both Kyle and for and for NASCAR. Yes, yes, it, it really is, and that's um, you know I think they've got a nice uh, uh, number now of uh, where you know drivers I think can only race uh, five races now, uh, and uh, they, so they're not there all the time like we've seen before, but. Uh, yeah, it's it's really interesting to <laughs> to see people complain about that. But uh, I think uh, when when everything is said and done, if Cal Bush is in the race, more people are watching. So that's that's a big thing, and the drivers, as you say, they love it. They get to learn from uh, one of the best racers in NASCAR for sure. Oh yeah, definitely one of the best right now. I mean, he's. He's won at all levels, you know, he's proven himself, you know what, and, uh, you know, he's proven, you know, he's a tough competitor, you know what, and, um, you know, and, you know, you got to give, you got to give a driver like that, you know, you got to give him his kudos, you know, whether, like I said, you know, whether you like him or not, you know what, he's, uh, you know, he's one of the best, you know, he comes out and he proves it, you know, what he, you know. Yeah. Whether he races in his own series or he, or he drops down, you know, to race in one of the, you know. And you know, one of the other series. Yep, without a doubt. Okay, we'll go ahead now and move on to the um, NASCAR Xfinity Series. Uh, that was the Osco Uniforms 300 on Saturday afternoon. Austin Hill uh, won his second race of the year, age 28, in the number 21 
Global Industrial Chevrolet for Richard Childress Racing. Andy Street is his crew chief. It was his fourth victory in 51 Xfinity Series races and his second victory in third top ten finish this year. His first victory in second top ten finish in four races out at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Justin Algauer finished second, posting his 15th top 10 finish in 18 races in Las Vegas, and it's his third top 10 finish of the season. Chandler Smith finished third, uh, posting his first top 10 finish in one race at Las Vegas, and he was the highest finishing rookie of the race. He's also the pole sitter. So that was really cool to see him have such a good run. But it was a dramatic late pass uh, that put Austin Hill into the lead, and he ran down the rookie pole winner, Chandler Smith, from three seconds back and passed him as the cars approached that white flag, and he was able to hold on to win the Alsco Uniforms 300 on Saturday afternoon. Um, He... Uh, also, if you remember, was the winner out at Daytona. So this, is, again, was his second win of the year and first at Las Vegas. Uh, Justin Algauer, again, was second, followed by Chandler Smith. Uh, Smith kind of dominated the race uh, starting from the pole. He did lead 118 of 200 laps. Kyle Busch was fourth. Is that? Oh, we're talking about the Xfinity now. Josh Berry rounded out the top five. John Hunter Nemec, Sam Mayer, Riley Erbst, uh, Sheldon Creed, Daniel Hemrick round out the top ten. Stage one was won by John Hunter Nemechek. Stage two by Austin Hill. And there were 14 lead changes among eight drivers, four cautions for 22 yellow flag laps, and the average speed of the race was 136.519 miles per hour. Again, your thoughts about the top ten here in the Xfinity series, so Yeah, it was a it was a good um uh <laughs> it was it was a really good uh hang on it's Nathan. He's he's really excited. He wants to call in, in like five minutes. <laughs> but I told oh. him to give us eight to ten minutes. <clears throat> closer to closer to the bottom of the hour. Yeah. Um looking forward to yeah, I mean, having him on. Yeah, I I mean Austin Hill just really put on uh a a show, you know, those those last, you know, two laps to catch um to catch Chandler Smith. You know, Chandler just ran out of ran out of car, you know. Um once ran again, you know, we see, you know you know, we see a we see a rookie come out you know, and, uh, you know, and, and, you know, and we see the veterans, you know. It looked like he was going to win the race, and then all of a sudden here Oh, it did look like he was going to win it, but then you start looking at the times, and, you know, you've seen Austin, you know, kind of, he was kind of catching up, and I, and I think Austin knew that, that Chandler was really pushing it, um, you know, and then, you know, he was, you know, he was really pushing it, you know, and he was burning up his stuff. And, you know, and uh, like I said, uh, being the veteran that, that Austin Hill is and Justin, you know, they just, you know, waited and waited, you know, finally, you know what, you know, they seen that Chandler couldn't, this car, you know, lost all handling, you know, and they just, you know, they took advantage of it. It's a big track. Chandler's used to racing on, you know, the smaller, you know, smaller, um, you know, short tracks, you know, with the exception of, mm-hmm. you know, last year, you know, you know, when he did run the, 
the truck series, but, you know, um, gosh, it was just, it was a great win for Austin. You know, we've seen him last year, you know, really dominate, you know, a lot of the races, you know, and, and, you know, it's, you know, he's, he's going to be, when, when he's ready to move up to cup, he's really going to be good. That guy, that kid can really race, Yeah. you know, then it's yeah. just an outcar, you know, come back into the seven car, you know, kind of pick up where he left off last year. Um, Kyle Busch just never really had his college racing car, just really didn't have anything, you know, for him. Um, you know, and then, you know, and then Sheldon Creed, you know what, I'm, worried, I'm still wondering when he's going to have that breakout race where he's just going to start, you know, stringing you know, a few races together like he did with the truck series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody's been waiting for that, and, and we can't wait to see it. Uh, according to the notes here, Joey Gase is the only driver that had an issue uh, that caused him not to be out of the race on lap 156 for a fuel pump issue. Uh, there are several drivers who finished laps down. Uh, let's see. Actually, if you look at the list here, uh, only 18 drivers finished. I'm sorry. Let me go back. 12, 12 drivers finished on the lead lap. Yeah. Yeah, only 12 drivers finished on the lead lap. So uh, the other drivers in between, Joey Gase and uh, number 12, uh, we're actually lap or two down or more. So kind of interesting from that perspective. The margin of victory for Austin Hill was .268 seconds. It was a close one. You know, and actually I thought I thought we, we would have seen a little bit more out of um, out of Cole Custer this race, you know, because he did qualify. I think Cole qualified third. I know he, I know he was on the pole for a while. And then, um, mm-hmm. you know, then Chandler ended up, you know, with it. But, um, you know, I, I I thought we would see a little bit more in this race, you know, out of Cole Custer, especially after the way he dominated um, Auto Club last year, you know, until the uh, last year, last week, until the, uh, you know, until he had that tire issue. But um, mm-hmm. he just never, never really could get going. And this, then, I don't know, this Vegas is kind of a track that if you really don't, grab a handle on it right away, you know, it's hard to make up. It's hard to make yeah. up spots later on, as we've seen, with the exception of Austin Hill, you know, who, you know, who was able, you know, to grab a handle, you know, when he needed to, you know, to yep. get up there and get the win. Um, I'll tell you what, though, Riley again, Herbst is happy to have Cole Custer as his teammate this year. He's been racing without a teammate uh, for a couple of years here, and now to have Cole Custer as part of that Stuart Haas Racing Organization in the Xfinity Series, I think has been a very positive thing for uh, Riley. Oh, yeah, it has been. And then with him and Cole being, you know, they're friends anyways, mm-hmm. you know, they've raced mm-hmm. with each other, you know, at Irondale, you know, as they're coming up, you know. So, I mean, they know each other, you know, and I think and, and I think that just really made it, you know, that much, that much more, uh, I think that just, you know, bringing Cole down just really made it that much more, you know, for, you know, for Riley, you know, to really push, you know, and try to have a, you know, a, a really good season this year. Mm-hmm. Yep, definitely. Now, I know we've got a guest uh, coming on board here shortly, uh, Sal, and uh, I, I'm going to let you kind of do the interview and everything, but do a lead-up into who this is because – uh, a lot of fans may not know 
uh, this particular guest. And this is kind of a way of kind of introducing him uh, to uh, other folks that will enjoy racing. Okay. Um, are we going to do the points? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, let's do the points. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We got to do the points. Okay, I forgot so the, the points. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. The points, do the points. Um, after, uh, yeah, after the first three races, we got um, Austin Hill leading. And actually, Austin Hill at the second win. He's already punched his ticket into the into the playoffs mm-hmm. at the end of the season. Um, City second is Justin Algaier. Third is John Hunter Nemechek, who also has a win. He's got his first win last week at Auto Club Speedway. So he's already punched his ticket in. Uh, fourth is uh, the highest rookie, which is Chandler Smith. Fifth is Riley Herbs. Sixth is Sam Mayer. Um, that rounds out the top six, and then the Xfinity takes 12 into the uh, playoffs. So from there, then we go seventh into Cole Custer. Eighth is Josh Berry. Eighth is Josh Berry. I wonder why uh, <laughs> Chase Chase put twice. Josh Berry twice. Yeah. I guess they really want to make sure that we focus on Josh Berry. You know, the, yes, you know. <clears throat> and then um, and then how about how about this? How about Joe Graff Jr. Seated how about ninth. it? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the name that I'm sure nobody's familiar with. But um, <laughs> and then tenth. <laughs> I mean, well, when when gosh, Joe Graff Jr. Ninth, gosh, I couldn't believe he was that high. And then tenth is Parker Klingerman. Eleventh is Sammy Smith. And twelfth is Jeb Burton with Ryan Sieg and Daniel Hamrick right behind him. Um, yep. I'm sure. I'm sure we'll see Ryan Sieg maybe move up there. Maybe even maybe even Jeb Burton. You go down to even uh, you know, gosh, even uh, um, I'm sure Daniel Hamrick will, will, you know, he'll start getting you know his you know getting his season a little bit more tighter. You know, you know, I'm sure Daniel will move up. But Sheldon Creed is the one, you know, that, that I'm sure a lot of people are, you know, watching, you know, in the, you know, sitting in the 16th spot. Okay. Yeah, I think it's going to be fun to watch this Xfinity series. I think we'll see some movement in those uh, point standings, and uh, especially for some of the rookies that are in the race. Uh, once we get to the second half of the season, a lot of them will kind of come on. But Chandler Smith is already there. So we've got a lot to look forward yeah. to. <clears throat> you know, they're talking about him before the race, you know, that he was kind of pegged for this, you know, for this seat. You know, he was already being, he was already being watched, you know. So um, mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting to see how he, you know, how the season progresses. You know, you can, you can start off hot like this first three races. And, so you true. know, as we've seen in the past, you know what, you know, you end up, you know, way at the bottom of the heap, you know, it's um, – you know, it's a it's a long season. You know what? You've got to really play it out. You have to pace yourself. You know what? And you really got to do a lot. You know, so this way, you know, you don't end up, um, like I said, you know, this way you don't end up burning yourself out. And uh, you know, and, and you know, but it's going to be interesting to see how the, you know, how the how everything um, how everything plays out. out. Yes, Works indeed. Out. I think for both the truck series and the, <clears throat> well, all three series, it's going to be fun. There's, uh, there's a lot to look forward to in all three of the series this year, as well as the Arkham Menard series. But 
I always have fun. The last several years, the Xfinity Series has been so much fun. I remember there was a time when it wasn't fun watching the Xfinity Series. So to to have fun watching those races now, uh, it, it makes a big, big difference. And uh, especially when you have uh, somebody like Austin Hill making that dramatic pass the way he did uh, to grab that victory. Uh, it just makes it so much fun to watch. Oh, yeah, and I'm sure Chandler, that's something he's going to remember. You know what, and I'm sure as the as season progresses, you know, he'll remember that pass, you know, and, and he's going to remember how he lost the race, you know, and I'm sure, you know, he'll work on it, you know, to where, you know, he won't let that happen again. Um, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. I mean, you know. It is. Um, I, I've, I've, I've seen Chandler race, you know what, and he can be a clean racer. And Chandler can also be a very, a very dirty racer, you know. So I'm curious how he handles himself now that he's moved up to, to Xfinity, you know, to see, you know, if he's gonna, you know, if he's gonna change his um, driving habits, you know, and try to be, uh, you know, try to be more of a, you know, you know, more of a clean driver, you know, instead of, you know, having the, you know, checkers or wreckers type of attitude. Okay. Okay, well, now I'm going to let you uh, kind of introduce your guest. He's not here yet, uh, but I'm going to let you handle the interview. I'm going to give my voice a rest uh, and kind of hydrate a little bit here. Um, But if you can uh, just kind of do a lead-up and let us know who he is, and uh, I'll bring him into the queue when he gets here. I'll let you know when he's here. Okay. All right, our next driver is um, is Nathan uh, Nathan Quella. He's a... He's a um, legend driver from out here from the West Coast. Um, I've had the opportunity, you know, to do a lot of photos of him. Plus, I've got to 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 get to meet him, actually talk to him, spend a lot of time with him, him and his him and his family. And um, he's this year he's and last year he was racing for uh, Ricky Stick Racing, who a lot of us know Ricky from all the way from his legends from his bandos all the way up to his um, SRL stint that he had for, you know, a couple of years. And, um, you know, this year, you know, and actually last, you know, Ricky has really sick racing and um, he's fielding a lot of the uh, um, new up and coming uh, legend drivers. So and actually Nathan is one of his proteges and um, it's, it's neat to see the, the progression you know, that Nathan has made from the first time I've seen him race, you know, to, him finally getting his first win. So it's going to be neat to talk about his first win. I know he's excited about it. Um, he's been working hard towards it. And, you know, he's even down there on the on their practice, you know, helping with uh, with everything that he can with that. Let's welcome Nathan to the show. Welcome to the show, Nathan. Thank you guys for having me. Can you hear me all right? Yeah, I can hear you. Perfect. So we're we're gonna I we're gonna have to make this a two a, like a two part show. So we're, um, eventually we're gonna bring you back to talk about more about who Nathan is, your start, and and especially we're I'm gonna, we're gonna touch a little bit on 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 your Lionheart racing, you know, which is the name of you know is you know is how you guys go by, even though you're racing for Ricky Schlick Racing, but um, you also want to talk about your first win because I know that was an exciting moment. There's a lot to talk about. We only have a little bit of time, so that's why I was saying, you know, we're going to have to cut it into probably into, into two shows. 
So this show, you know, let's kind of talk about Nathan, how you got your start, and then from there, then we'll go into your win, and then the next race, then we'll talk more about your, you know, the Lionheart. So with that, let's um, let's let's start how how Nathan got to start racing, and what is it that that drove you to want to be a race car driver? Well, I guess it all kind of started when I was really young. I was born into a family that had just an immense love for racing. My great-grandfather worked on a lot of cars that raced in the Indy 500, and that love of racing was passed down through me. And just watching races since I was young, I always knew that I wanted to be that guy on the TV driving one of those cars. So what, what was it that, that pushed you into, into racing a car, not a, you know, I, I, I you know, I, you know, I, I've read some of your background, you know, and, you know, you've done, you know, different, you know, different kind of racing, but what is it that got you in the cars and not like supercross or, or, you know, go-karting and stuff like that? I don't know, but I always just, it was always something about cars and, mainly asphalt racing that always just drew me to it. I think it's the speed, it's the it's the sound of the engines, it's just everything about cars and the way that all these races go is just so entertaining to me. You know, you know, you spoke about you know, you spoke about your grandfather, you know, and you know, he was, you know, hooked up with IndyCar. You know, we've seen drivers from Erndale, you know, you know, come from open wheel you know, to race stock cars. And actually we have one that race stock cars and his, his grandfather was a real famous, you know, uh, IndyCar driver. And now he went back to Indy to, you know, start racing to open wheel and, you know, to continue in that path. Yeah. Um, it's just, I started in short course off-road racing and then, was blessed to be able to move into these Legends cars, and it's been a big change and a big learning experience, but I think me and the team around me have adapted well, and I think that our win this past Saturday is proof of it. You know, you've, you've, you've had a lot of, you've, you've ran a lot of races, you know, you know, throughout the Southern California area, you know, you know, um, Orange Show, uh, you know, of course, you know, doing a lot of racing at Erndale, you know, and all the other tracks, you know, like Ricky Slick is taking you to, you know, which, um, you know, which right now, you know, you are racing for Ricky Slick Racing. Um, you know, working with Tom Landreth, who Tom is also, he was in, in his heyday, Tom was, you know, one of, one of, he was one of the legend drivers that if you, if you really wanted to, to prove your worth and, and know how good you were, you know, you had, you basically had to beat Tom Ladris out there. And, you know, he's also, you know, one of the ones, you know, that's helping you and, and Ricky, what's it like racing with Ricky and, and, you know, and having Tom and, you know, especially the success that Ricky has had throughout his, his uh, racing career. I think having them has just given me a quicker learning curve. Um, the, the, wealth of experience that those guys have has just really helped me to grow and understand how to drive both on asphalt and more specifically in these legends cars um and more even more than how to drive how to race 
And I think that having them with me and in my ear has been a huge help in learning how to uh, how to get good in these cars. So, and, and, you know, you brought up a good point. You know what? It's not so much going fast, but it's racing. You know, I talked to a lot of young drivers, you know, and they're, oh, yeah, I'm fast. You know, I'm fast. You know, I can go fast. You know, there's a thing about going fast, but then there's also, you know, if you want to go fast, hey, you know, why well join uh, NHRA, you know, build yourself a, you know, super fast car. You know, when you go straight line, the first one down to the end of the track, thousand feet, quarter mile, whatever it may be, you know, whoever is good at cutting lights, you know, that's going to be the winner and, and it's all said and done. But with this type of racing, you know what, like you said, you know, you have to learn how to race. You know, you got to learn how to save your car. You got to learn where to make your moves. You know, you got other, you know, anywhere from five to 10 to 20 to 30 other cars out there, you know, that are fighting for the same piece of real estate. They're fighting for the same checkered flag. They're fighting for the best finish. And, you know, and you're just one of all of those, you know, guys that are out there on the track. Yeah, I, I think that the, the competition aspect of it has really, when I started these and I was at the back of the pack, it just pushed me to want to get up towards the front. And uh, last year we made big steps and we got up towards the front of the field. We were third in a televised race at Madeira. We had a, a bunch of podiums and the second in October at Irvindale. Um, and just getting fast and learning Again, not just fast, but how to race these cars. It's been a challenge, but I think that the results of it are finally starting to pay off. So as 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 you're as you're progressing from race to race, and I and I've seen it because you know I've I've seen almost all your races at at Irondale. Um, you know, I see you come close. You know, I, I've you know I've seen the heartbreaks. You know, where you've been up to, you've gotten spun. You know, I've seen you know where you've where you're fighting for the lead, you know, and, you know, they send you, send you to the back. Um, how, how do you, as, as all this is playing out, you know, what's, what's going through your mind, you know, being a young driver, you know, is there was there ever a time that you ever, you know, kind of told yourself that, you know, Hey, you know what, I'm just, I'm going to quit because it just seems like, you know, it just seems like this isn't my, you know, my forte, you know, I just, I just can't get any luck. Um, never really thought about quitting. I think that I've just got too deep of a love and too good of a team behind me to, to think about quitting. And I think it just, it took reaching down because those, those seconds and those thirds and those being up at the front and getting sent to the back through either fault of my own or no fault of my own, it hurts, but you have to pick yourself up from it and move forward. And I think that what those taught me is that racing isn't always going to go your way. So you have to, you have to take what you can get. And we just didn't get it at that point, but now I think we're showing that we can. So who's been the hardest one on you? Has it been Ricky or has it been Tom? (laughs) Oh man. I got to say it's probably been Ricky. Cause I, I I remember Tom, you know, when Erndale first opened, you know, growing up, you know, and, and going to the track and watching him. And actually, Ricky, I've gotten to know Ricky really well, and I, and I know the competitor that Ricky is. 
And, um, you know, I've, you know, and I've seen, you know, what he's done with his team. I mean, he's done a, I mean, you know, for a while we didn't hear nothing about Ricky and all of a sudden I get a call from Howard. He's today he goes, Ricky's starting up, you know, uh, you know, he's working on, you know, building legends and getting drivers, you know, and, you know, I've seen, you know, some of the drivers, you know, he's had come out. Of course, Ricky still drives his own cars, but, you know, and, and I, and, and I know the competitor and he is, and he's, you know, he's a very fierce competitor and I'm sure he puts all that, you know, into, you know, not only you, you know, but the other drivers, you know, that he has, you know, on, you know, as far as, you know, what he brings out on the team. Yeah, Ricky, he's a great competitor, and that's, I think, that's what motivates me and the other drivers is to be what we know we can be and what Ricky knows we can be. Um, I think Ricky builds the best cars and gives us the best opportunities to go and show what we are made of and when we can put together good results for him and make a good impression for his name, that gives, at least me personally, a lot of joy and a lot of, uh, I take a lot of pride in being able to work with Ricky. So let's let's move up to 2023. You know, season's, you know, it's getting started. You know, you guys are, you know, working in the off season. Um, you know, I was up at Irondale a couple weeks ago, you know, you guys were helping out a new driver coming up, you know, and, you know, it was you and your dad, you know, you know, over there, you know, helping Ricky out, you know, and also when, when Ricky ran SRL, you know, you guys, you and your dad were over there helping Ricky, you know, you know, helping Ricky on his SRL car, you know, now it's time to put Nathan back in the car, you know, and get him out of the track, you know, so you get to Orange Show Speedway and you get your first win. What was going through your mind as, as the laps are, you know, running down, you know, and it's getting, you know, close to the end, you know, and you're thinking, okay, you know what, um, you know, is, it, is this going to be the day or is this going to be another another heartbreaker, you know, that something's going to happen and, you know, I'm going to be the, you know, the bridesmaid? Well, for about 27 laps, I was pretty confident. And then uh, when we were coming up to lap some of the cars, um, at the back of the pack, uh, just unfortunately got tangled up with it off of turn two, and I could tell very quickly that it, it knocked the toe out of the car, and I was just crushed because I didn't know that I could keep it up at the front for the next, I think it was eight laps, um, and then the cautions kept coming. Um, but I just had to look back at myself in the mirror and remember all the training that Ricky and the Tom and that my team have given me and not give up. And I think that just running those last, I think it was eight laps, just as hard as I could and keeping the car under me and just trying to give give my team and myself the results that we've been working so hard for. So, so how did it feel when you finally, when you finally cross and check your flag and, you know, you've seen, you know, that you won the race, you know, now it's time to go visit um, Dan Brickley over there in, the, in tech, you know, and say, okay, you know, I, I know tech Dan's real quick, you know, he wants to get you guys out there, you know, so you guys can um, enjoy your, your victory. And, uh, you know, and, and I'm sure you knew the car was going to pass. Yeah. I mean, coming across the line, it was pure bliss. Um, I mean, I'd won twice in off-road racing, but that was two and a half years ago. But, um, yeah, just pure bliss coming across the line and just a weight off my shoulders. Um, not having to look for that first anymore. 
um, you know, I say the first one is the hardest to get, and hopefully that's true. But yeah, going back to tech, a little worried after the the incident with with eight to go. It wasn't driving very good, but Ricky had put together such a great car that uh, we were able to hold off Colton Page, Gavin Ray, and Tyler Hicks. Um, and we passed tech and got to go back to my crew that was waiting there for me, and uh, it was just a great experience. So how did you guys celebrate after the win? Well, there was uh, there was some champagne spraying. There was uh, just a lot of hugs, um, a lot of hugs, a lot of pictures, just very, very relieved is the word that I'm going to use. We finally did what That's- we knew we could do. That's neat. You know, I, I wish I could have been there for the win. Gosh, you know, I was I was looking forward to being, you know, to uh, you know, to be that person. But unfortunately, you know, I wasn't there. But you know, what? I'm so happy that you finally got it. You know what? And like you say, you know what? You know, you get that one win. You know, and they all start following. You know, they all start you know coming. You know, after that. So, you know, I I I know from watching you, from watching your program. And you know, just everything you know that you put in your program, you know, and I, I you know, I, I know you got many, many, many more wins ahead of you. Thank you. Yeah, we are. Uh, we're chasing them this year. We're chasing that semi-pro national championship. We're chasing the Irvingdale championship, and uh, with this amazing Ricky Schlick Racing team behind us, I really think that we can do it. So, with that, Nathan, you know, we're running, we're running short on time. Um, is there any sponsors? Is there any um, any shout outs that you want to give, you know, to you know, to your team or like I said, you know, to any of your sponsors? Uh, of course. First and foremost, Ricky Schlick Racing, uh, for giving me this amazing opportunity every week. Uh my primary sponsor, Econoware, they've been super instrumental in putting me in Legends cards and keeping me in Legends cards. Uh Peterson Ewers Real Estate, uh, that's my mom's real estate company. Roofing Standards, PSC Powder Coating, American Mobile Power Company, Cinema Vehicle Services, Powerstone Property Management, Central Sierra Enterprise, and Studio Work Rentals have all been instrumental in getting me out on the track and getting me a fast race car. Awesome. You know what? And uh, I, you know what, Nathan? I just want to thank you for coming on the show. You know what? Next week we're gonna, I'm going to have you back at the same time, and then next week I want to talk about the whole Lionheart thing. I. You know, I, I I know there's a lot of stuff you know that that went on. You know, with the uh, you know with you know with with we'll just leave it at that. You know, and then um you know this way you know you know we'll have time to talk about you know you know how you be, how you overcame all the adversity, you know you know to be where you're at today because I think that that alone is a story all by itself. But I I really wanted to get you on to talk about your first one because I know it's big, I know it's huge, and. You know, we always like to get, you know, first-time winners on right away, you know, so they got that excitement. Hopefully, this Saturday night at Irondale, you'll pick up another win, and, you know, we'll we'll, we'll touch on the win, and then and then we'll, we'll talk about who Nathan Quella is inside, you know, of, of and, and what the whole Lionheart thing is all about. I think that is an awesome story, and, and like I said, we need to do that one on, on the show all by itself. And hopefully with that one, Sharon will, you know, she'll go ahead and I'm sure she has a lot of uh, questions on, on, on the Lionheart thing. So, um, 
like I said, I just want to thank you for coming on the show tonight, and uh, you know, congratulations on your win again. Um, hopefully, weather holds up. <laughs> Looks like we might have some rain, so if not, you know, um, you know, we'll see at the track this weekend, and then, like I said, if you can come back on next Monday at the same time, you know, then we'll talk about the whole, you know, the whole Lionheart thing. Perfect. Thank you guys. Thank you guys again for the opportunity. And uh, I'll see you guys next week. Okay. Thanks, Nathan. Thank you. Well, Sharon, that was Nathan yep. Quella with uh, with his uh, first legend win. Um, I'll tell you, that kid, he worked so hard. Oh. Yeah, it sounds like it. And it sounds like he's got good support behind him as well. And uh, oh, uh, to come from a racing family, I know his family has to be super proud of him as well. Oh, it's 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 amazing. You got to see how just tight knit that family is. The whole racing, yep. the whole Ricky Schlick racing family. I mean, Ricky, Tom Landreth, everybody involved with the team. Um, Chad Shug, you know, who goes out and helps them, you know, and and I mean, just the just the time and the effort that they put in at the track. It's you know, um, you know, his mom and his dad are there every race, you know, and, um, you know, they're always friendly. How you doing? Come and eat, get something to drink, yep. you know, um, you know, I mean, awesome. Great, great, super great family to be around sharing around, you know what, and, oh, and a well, a well-deserved win. But um, next week's well, going to be a really good, it's going to be a really good story when we, when we, when we finally get to talk about who Nathan Quell is and the whole Lionheart. Um, yeah, behind, uh, I'm looking so. forward to it. Hopefully, my voice will be a little bit stronger by then. So, uh, but we do need to get into our uh, review of the NASCAR Cup Series uh, out at Las Vegas Motor Speedway now as well. But I'll, I definitely am going to look forward to next Monday night show again <coughs> with Nathan Quella. Okay, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, this was the Pennzoil 400 uh, with the race winner William Byron at the age of 25 driving the number 24 Raptor com Chevrolet for Rick Kendrick and Hendrick Motorsports, and his crew chief is Rudy Fugel. Uh, it was his fifth victory in 183 Cup Series races, his first victory and first top ten finish this year, and his first victory and fourth top ten finish in 11 races at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Kyle Larson came in second. It looked like he was going to win, uh, but he didn't. In the end, it was uh, William Byron. Uh, he posted, uh, Larson posted his tenth top ten finish in 14 races at Las Vegas and his first top ten finish so far this season. Alex Bowman came in third posting his fourth top ten finish in 12 races at Las Vegas. Ty Gibbs finished 22nd. He was the highest finishing rookie of the race. So that was good to see. And, um, uh, again, we're going to get into the actual race itself. If I can find my notes here. Um for the Pennzoil 400. Uh, it actually was a 1-2-3 finish for Hendrick Motorsports at uh, Las Vegas. So uh, William Byron led the podium there. Uh, it, it was just inches uh, off of pit road that made the difference. 
It was quick work by Byron's pit crew that enabled the driver, uh, uh, William Byron, to beat his teammate Kyle Larson off pit road for an overtime restart at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. And that was the decisive factor in Byron's fifth career Cup Series victory. Again, uh, Byron came in first, followed by Larson. Then it was Alex Bowman uh, completing the podium finish for uh, Hendrick Motorsports. Then Wallace came in third, I'm sorry, fourth, followed by Bell, Austin Sendrick, Martin Truex Jr., Justin Haley, Kevin Harvick, and Daniel Suarez rounds out the top ten. Byron led 176 laps on the day, but he was trailing Larson late in the race when a caution came out with just two laps left to run. Truex stayed out under the caution. Larson and Byron restarted behind him. Uh, Byron took the lead, though, on the restart and held off Larson for the win. The pole winner, Joey Logano, hit the wall and spun into the infield on lap 183. He was unable to continue, and he ended up finishing in 36th place. Stages 1 and 2 were both won by Byron. There were 13 lead changes among eight drivers and eight cautions for 24 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race was 142.980 miles per hour. Uh, your thoughts there about the top ten and William Byron winning and the Hendrick Motorsports podium sweep. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what can you say? I mean, you know, they really uh, they really can't. The Chevys the past couple weeks have really been strong. I mean, we had we see Kyle Busch win last weekend at, at Auto Club Speedway you know, in, a, in an RCR Chevy, and then now we see William Byron, you know, come back, you know, win in another Chevy, you know, which is a, you know, a Hendrick Motorsport Chevy. But like you said, you know, uh, Byron Larson and Alex Bowman, you know, swept the top three spots. You know, then it went, you know, to a, to uh, two Toyotas after that, then a Ford. Um, you know, it's good to see William Byron win. You know what? Um, this team that, that Hendrick put together, you know, they're, you know, they're young drivers, you know what, and, you know, they're not dominant, but you know they they get the job done. You know what, and 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 that's what you want for your drivers. You know, you want them to be in contention. You know, when when they can, you know, to grab that wing. You know, William Byron punched his ticket into the um, into the uh, into the chase at the end of the season. You know, Christopher Bell continues to be um, you know strong contender. Um, I know. Uh, I was talking with some uh, some media members at um, Auto Club Speedway. We were talking about, you know, who's going to be the dominant, you know, driver for JGR, you know, and everybody was talking about, you know, to look out for Chris Bell this year. You know, he was going to take over where where Kyle Busch left off, you know. And, um, you know, so far, you know what, he's, he's, you know, he's proving to almost be that driver, you know, um, uh, you know, can't take nothing away from, you know, Austin Sidrick, you know, in the, in the, um, uh, Penske, you know, uh, number two, you know, discount tire Ford, you know, what, Tradition six, Truex seven, Harvick, you know, who's having a really good season, you know, his last season. I really would like to see mm-hmm. Harvick get a win this year. I just think that would really cap off, you know, his career, you know, if he could just grab that, grab that one win. And then, of course, you got, um, track house racing with Daniel Suarez. You know, the number 99 finished, you know, right off the top 10, you know, was really, you know, mm-hmm. good for the um, 
you know, it's really good for, uh, you know, for um, uh, Justin Marks and his team. Uh, it was. And now yeah, uh, um, we're going to run out of time here, so real quick I want to get into the margin of victory and everything and then our points. Uh, the margin of victory was uh, .622 seconds, so it was a really close uh, finish. One driver, Joy Logano, we mentioned he uh, did not meet the damaged vehicle policy, so he was out on lap 183. Also on lap uh, 270, Eric Jones had an accident that took him out of the race. And, uh, again, there were there was 271 laps, only 18 cars on the lead lap at the finish of this race. So uh, that was pretty interesting. But I want to make sure... We get the points in here too, Sal. Yeah. So, so the way that the the way the points are stacking up, um, Ross Chastain is leading the points. Um, second is Alex Bowman. Like we were talking about, Kevin Harvick. You know, hopefully he can get that win. You know, and you know, make it in the chase on a win. Um, mm-hmm. Third, uh, track house is Daniel Suarez sitting fourth. Uh, Martin Truex. Junior sitting fifth, um, Danny Hamlin sixth, Christopher Bell up there in seventh, and Kyle Busch rounds out the you know the, the top eight. Kyle's already locked himself in with his win at um, at Auto Club last weekend, and then from there then we go down and Joy Logano is ninth, Chris Buescher tenth, Brad Keselowski is having a really good season, a really good start to his season this year. He's sitting eleventh, a lot mm-hmm. better than what he was last year. He was down at thirtieth, twentieth. Yeah, so, um, Chris Buescher. You know. Yeah, and so, you know, we're, we're starting to see, you know, something out of Brad, you know, possibly might see a win out of him this year. And then, of mm-hmm. course, our Daytona 500 winner, Ricky Stenhouse, is 12th. Uh, William Byronson in 13th. Kyle Larson, 14th. Ryan Blaney, 15th. And 16th is uh, Bubba Wallace. Um, you know, uh, prayers out to Chase Elliott, you know what, and hopefully, you know, he makes a, a quick recovery, can get back behind the seat. Um you know, as everybody knows, you know he, you know he had surgery on his on his fibula, you know, for a snowboarding accident. And um, you know, curious to see, you know, how soon he's going to get back to racing, and how many more races that they're going that Josh Berry's going to, you know, pick up the pick up the slack for him. But um, Ross Chastain, the watermelon man, back up at the top of the heat, man, this guy. Is just, he is he is an amazing amazing racer. I mean, he's next guy just he'll he'll run all three races, two races. He don't care. <laughs> just just give me a car. I don't care. I'll race all weekend long. Yep, yep. Put me in a he seat. That's it. That's Ross Chastain. Yep. Well, I fully expect though that NASCAR is going to give a waiver to Chase Elliott so he can still compete for a championship, provided that he meets the qualifications. You know, of getting a win or can get himself in that top 16 in points. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering, though, if this is going to be uh, one of those years. Last year we had 19 different winners. Uh, do you think we're, we're, that's possible again this season? You know, it, it's, it's very possible, but I think the Kings are starting to get a handle on these cars. And I and I and I think that I don't think we're going to see what we seen last year. I, I think we might see a dominant driver. And I, and I just, I don't know. I just think that Kyle Busch is really out to prove something this year. You know, he mm-hmm. picked up that the early win. You know, he had a shot at the Daytona 500. 
you know, he should have had the first two wins of the season. You know, um, uh, he needs to get a teammate that knows how to help him out a little bit better than what what Austin Dillon did on that last restart. I don't think that was a very good strategy starting next to him. I think he should have started behind him at Daytona and pushed him to the, to the race win. But that's neither here nor there. The race is over. But I, I think we're going to see a dominant season out of, out of Kyle out of Kyle Bush this year. Okay. Well, it's going to be – so he's your early favorite to win the championship, I'm taking it. Yeah, he's going to be my early favorite. And him and, I don't know, Joey Logano has always been one of my favorites. You know, I just think Joey's just a good – Joey's a good all-around driver, you know what, and, and um, I like Joey's attitude, you know what, when he puts his helmet on, you know what, he's, you know <laughs> – he has no friends, you know what? Yeah. You know, he's not there to make friends. He's there to win. He's getting paid to win races. He's not there to make friends, you know. And I like that attitude, you know. And, uh, okay. and his driving style is—he's got a. I like his driving style a lot. Okay, you're going to be at the racetrack this weekend. No. Okay. I got to work. You gotta work. Oh, that's right. You did say that. I'll be at Irondale for um, the rain. Oh, okay. That sounds good. That's what. Yeah. That's what oh yeah, yeah. Oh no, I'll be at Irondale. Oh yeah. Oh okay, yeah. Okay, cool. If it doesn't rain, I mean, I'll be there even if it rains. I'll, I'll be there with rains. all the other drivers. You know. Oh yeah, I'll be there. We'll, we'll all be sitting oh, okay. together in the haulers, watching the rain come down. Hopefully, it stops and we can get it dried up and get it and get a race in boat. But oh yeah, I'll, I'll be there. I mean, you know. Oh, okay, sounds good. I gotta be there to, to support support all my drivers. Yes, I know. Well, I'll tell you what, Sal. Um, I'll look forward to talking to you again next Monday night, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on Banff Racing Radio, when we can talk about all the racing that takes place out of Phoenix Raceway this weekend. All right. Sounds good. Everybody have a good weekend. You guys stay safe. Have a good show, and we'll talk to you next week. Oh, okay. Take care, Sal. Okay. All right. Good night. Good night. All right, it is the top of the hour, and that means it is time for our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. And uh, we have a couple of our uh, fan for racing crew members here. I'll start with Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you, Sharon. Excited to be here, as always. I know we got a lot to talk about yet again tonight. Yes, indeed. And then I believe, I think it's Mike Orzell is the other person here. Is that you, Mike? Hello. Good evening, ladies, gentlemen, and Jay. <laughs> okay. Uh, that sounds interesting. And then also joining us here shortly will be Andy Lasky uh, as part of our Fan for Racing crew. So, uh, Jay, let's start with you tonight for our first hot topic. Well, obviously the big one after this weekend, I think, was uh, – Drivers doing outside activities. Chase Elliott missed the race um, this past weekend due to a snowboarding uh, accident, which he hurt his leg. I don't know what exactly on it was broke, but he had the surgery and is recovering, but going to miss several weeks. We know that. So the discussion about that um, as far as what they should be, be doing in their off time. Okay. Uh, yeah, Mike? What are your thoughts about that? Well, this, like Jay said, this is a big topic of discussion this week, and pretty much every driver they talk to 
they asked the question about it, and the opinion was almost unanimous. I think the only driver who said anything along the lines of, no, he shouldn't be doing it, was Danica Patrick. And I don't really have a, you know, I don't put a whole lot of, of credibility behind her opinion on matters. But every active driver pretty much said the same thing. You've got to live your life. I, I think I like Kevin Harvick's take on it the best, where you, you need to take care of yourself. You need to stay in, you know, that reasonable range of, don't go do something completely off the wall and, and, and maybe that you've never done before. But Chase Elliott's been snowboarding since he was a kid. This isn't like he just got talked into to doing something he'd never tried before. It's a hobby of his. He's been doing it for a long time. And unfortunately, sometimes bad things happen. It just, it's the nature of a thing. And you've got to remember, we're talking about professional athletes, so young men in their early 20s to maybe their mid-30s with a lot of money and not a lot of spare time on their hands. So they want to maximize those opportunities. And Kevin Harvick said it really well when he said, you've got to do something other than this racing or this scheduling is just going to grind you down. It's a 36-race schedule between testing and everything. It's about 40 weeks out of a 52-week year where these guys are committed to racing and doing their job. And I, I know we all have jobs and we, we work most weeks of the year, but we're not, most of us aren't traveling every single week to go to a different place to do the kind of things these NASCAR Cup Series guys are doing. So, yeah, it's natural. They've got to find some sort of outlet to take their head out of the racing for a little while. They're going to drive themselves crazy. Uh, they mentioned it uh, towards the end of the broadcast yesterday. James Small went skydiving the day before the race. So <laughs> you talk about Chase Elliott doing snowboarding being a, a risky activity. Well, James Small is out there jumping out of airplanes. And I don't blame him either. You got to, like, like Harvick said, you've got to live your life. You've got to have a way to, to blow off steam. Unfortunately, sometimes accidents happen. Remember back in 2016, Tony Stewart broke his back out uh, doing dune buggy racing with Jeff Gordon and a few other guys before the season. He came back. He won at Sonoma. So I, I know Chase Elliott, Hendrick Motorsports already said they're going to give him as much time as they need to recover. I don't think NASCAR has officially said that they're going to give him a playoff waiver, but I would be absolutely shocked if they didn't. Uh, for one thing, it's the most popular driver, but even then, the president is there with Tony Stewart where they did give him a playoff waiver, even though he was injured in a non-racing activity and couldn't participate in races. So I, I'm almost positive that Chase Elliott will get a waiver. He will most likely win a race, and he'll pick up right back where he left off. Okay, Andy is here. So, Andy, we're looking for you to weigh in. And first of all, welcome hey. to the show. Hey, thanks. I appreciate it. Uh, good to be on, as always. Um, really, it's it's what Mike said. You know, I mean, it's it's a situation where you know drivers and in, in anyone in the sport, any sport really, not just NASCAR, but yeah, you, know, you got to live your life and and do what makes you happy. Um, you know, we only live once, and um, if if drivers were expected to sit at home on the couch and you know, live in a bubble, it would be an absolutely miserable life. So I don't fault Chase Elliott one bit for doing what he did. He was out having some fun between races and an unfortunate accident happened. Certainly, you know, I think it's fair to say everyone's thoughts are with him in hoping for a, a as quick a recovery as possible. Thankfully, it wasn't worse than it was. And you can bet that he's disappointed and, and frustrated that he can't be in his own car for however long it's going to be, but stuff happens, right? I mean, you know, it's, you can, you can understand how it happened, but you can't fault him for, for going snowboarding and, 
you know, you have to expect that these guys are going to be able to go out there and, and live their lives a bit. And, you know, we've, I, we've heard instances in the past where, you know, there are driver contracts where maybe they're not allowed to do quite so much. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that. I, I think that one should be able to go out there and, and live life a bit. And, you know, you're going to have accidents. It's no different than, you know, if I'm out, I don't snowboard, and I'm, if I tried, I'd be terrible at it. But if I went snowboarding and I missed six months of work, you know, that's the same thing. You know, I'd be out of my job that I'm expected to perform due to a medical injury, and it's really the same thing here. Um, yes, obviously, Chase Elliott has sponsors, you know, that support him, that pay millions of dollars to have him in their car. But it's the same thing, whether I miss work or whether Chase Elliott misses work, um, it's just an unfortunate incident, you know, and I, I don't think that it's reasonable to restrict what drivers can and can't do in their off time. Yeah, I agree with you guys. All work and no play makes uh, any person <laughs> uh, uh, not a good situation. So uh, they need to have that outlet. Uh, I don't fault Chase for anything either. I think that uh, he was doing what – He's been doing for a long, long time, uh, as Mike brought up. Uh, but a couple of uh, circumstances here that it reminds me of, Kyle Busch, uh, I forget what year it was now, but he was out for 11 weeks after he broke his uh, foot or his ankle at Daytona. Uh, NASCAR gave him the waiver, and he went on to win the championship. So I know Kyle Busch is kind of <laughs> uh, not your typical race car driver, uh, but I think Chase Elliott would be capable of doing that. I think he would be capable of being out for a while and then maybe going after the championship this year. So I, I do anticipate that NASCAR is going to give him the waiver. Um, uh, I was a little bit disappointed that Josh Berry didn't have a better finish for him uh, uh, out at Las Vegas, and we're waiting to find out who's going to be in the car, if it's going to be Josh Berry or somebody else. But uh, I do think that uh, it's going to be a great opportunity for a driver uh, to get some Cup Series experience. So uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what they do there. Uh, but, yeah, certainly no fault uh, given to anybody. Accidents happen. Uh, these guys deserve to have a life outside of the racetrack, and uh, that's exactly what Chase Elliott was doing. That's uh that's uh not an issue and like uh mike said that you know there was another off off track incident with tony stewart uh and he was given a, a waiver and was able to race uh for the championship so i i do think that nascar is doing the right thing in these situations and uh i think most of the drivers have a, a pretty good uh handle on it and uh, we'll see how it works out. I wish him the best, and, and I hope he's back to racing again. Uh, I, I don't want him to push it, obviously. I want him to be uh, ready for it when he comes back, but I, I look forward to him coming back as soon as he can. Jay, what are your thoughts? I fall kind of in what I'd say a 70 30% category. Um, I, you, you absolutely cannot restrict them from living life as everybody said well actually let me back up i don't see any reason nascar doesn't give him a waiver when he comes back uh, i would be right. absolutely shocked uh, if he doesn't get a waiver and eligible for the playoffs benefit to his and 
Sharon mentioned Kyle Busch. It was 2015. He had to work his way into the top 30 minus those 11, 12 races, whereas that is not the case anymore. So that's one benefit working in Chase Elliott's favor, uh, that you don't have to be in the top 30. So, uh, again, I see him being playoff eligible. I see him coming back, winning a race, and being playoff eligible. When it comes to the activities, uh, like I said, I understand where teams, especially when you're talking about, within this case, sponsors investing in, uh, in them, wanting to restrict it. However, like everybody said, you can't live in a bubble. They, they don't get a lot of off weekends, off time, so spend doing your hobbies or whatever. Some of them may be a little more high risk. I get that. Snowboarding be listed as one of them, but as everybody said, he's an experienced snowboarder. Andy uh, kind of said what I said. For me to go out and do snowboarding, that'd be dumb on my part because I can't even stand up on my own on two feet. So that would be an even higher one for me and kind of reckless on my part. Uh, I think back to Jimmy Johnson. Talk about golfing. Well, he was screwing around riding on top of the golf cart, horsing around. Uh, Brad Keselowski, I think his was playing uh, Frisbee golf. Just happened to step in a hole in the field the same way. And I think it was a basketball player. I want to say Charles Barkley got involved with his pet. I don't remember if it was a cat or dog on the steps in his house. Okay, can you not have pets then? You know, I mean, anything can happen anywhere, anytime. So I don't see limiting or saying you can't do this. However, I do think they need to be smart. And I think Brian Vickers was another one. I think he was into skydiving when he was with the Red Bull team. Um, Again, not my thing, but... That's one of those you don't see incidences a whole lot when it comes to percentage-wise. So, you know, it's tough to draw a hard line of you can't do this. But remind them to be smart. This is their primary job. And I think that's what Danica was kind of saying, hey, maybe don't do it during the season um, or whatever. And I'm sure later in the season, obviously, more so if you're looking at the playoffs. But I don't think you can fully outright restrict them because – like I said, you know, you trip on a rug in the house, uh, you know, anything could happen anywhere at any time. Mike, your follow-up? Well, Jay's going to know full well about what I'm about to talk about. So we both did time in the Air Force, and the Air Force has a very restrictive off-duty safety activities kind of thing. So if you want to talk about how a system could be implemented in NASCAR, I can tell you from personal experience, there's no good way to do it. The Air Force's safety high-risk activities approval system was dumb. It was arbitrary. It was completely based on the whim and the opinion of whoever was in the position to make that decision, and that decision could change just as quickly as the wind. And it all had to do with somebody's perception of risk. So if you had a commander who was a big skydiver, you better believe you can get approved to go skydiving. But he sure doesn't like racing cars, so he's going to say, no, no, you can't go race cars for, for your hobby, but can I, can I talk to you into skydiving? That's how dumb these arbitrary decisions for what's a high-risk activity and what isn't, how dumb that can be. And like Jay said, okay, so we eliminate all these risky extracurricular activities from a statistical standpoint, you're just as, if not more likely, to be injured in a car accident driving from the racetrack to Taco Bell to go get a snack between practice and qualifying. So risk is just a, an everyday part of life. It's what happens. Fortunately, we tend to make decent decisions. The people who don't make decent decisions end up in the hospital or dead. 
Um, but most of the time, we in general tend to make decent risk analysis kind of decisions, and sometimes it bites us. You know, it bit Chase Elliott this weekend. Accidents happen sometimes. It's not that big of a deal. He'll be back. If Kyle Busch will end up winning the championship after getting injured even worse than Chase Elliott did. So uh, I would not count that nine team out. He must have been sitting there on the couch watching Hendrick Motorsports run one, two, three, and then the nine car ends up 29th, two laps down. I'd be willing yeah. to bet if Elliott was in the car, they were looking for a one, two, three, four yesterday with how strong HMS was. So you know that's going to be motivation to get through physical therapy and get back on the racetrack as soon as possible. I do look forward to seeing him back. Okay, Andy, your follow-up? Yeah, uh, to Mike's point, that that had to be the toughest thing of, of all was um, to watch what probably was a top-five car run 29th yesterday. So that's really unfortunate. But in Josh Berry's defense, he has no cup experience, and he was kind of thrown into that situation last minute. Therefore, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure he'll get better with time if they put him back in the car or if they – elect to move in another direction. I think for me, that's, you know, the biggest question mark is what does the 19 do moving forward? But um, yeah, at the end of it, really just to reiterate what's already been said, I mean, you know, Chase had the right to go out there and and live his life a bit. And that's exactly what he did. So uh, hopefully it's, it's a fairly uh, somewhat quick recovery. I think it's a fractured tibia if I'm not mistaken. So, um, I'm not 100% sure how long that takes to heal, but probably at least a few weeks or months. Uh, So we might not see Chase for the majority of the season. Um, But if he does get that waiver, obviously um, would have a decent chance to go out and win a race and make his way into the playoffs. So we'll see what that, if that happens. But uh, the big thing is that he uh, gets better as soon as possible. And uh, looking forward to seeing him back at the track soon. Okay. Yeah, I I agree with you guys. And the only other thing that I'll kind of add to it is that if you recall, you know, Jeff Gordon coming into the organization really encouraged all these guys to do outside activities, including racing. William Byron's run a lot of short track racing around the country, and uh, it's made him a better racer. Uh, Well, the same thing is true when you allow these guys to do uh, their recreational activities off track. Uh, Recreation, the root word there is recreate. Uh, And that recreation that happens uh, when you take part in recreational activities is is what makes you better uh, when you come back, uh, whether it's driving or whatever your role is uh, in in the work world. Uh, It makes you a better worker. So um, I, I think I think uh, everything's good. I think that, um, uh, well, as I said before, I just look forward to seeing Chase come back and be competitive. And uh, whoever does get into that seat, it's going to be a great opportunity for them to be in great equipment. And you're right, Dandy. I don't fault Josh Berry for the finish that he had because uh, it was his first time racing the next. He's raced in the Cup Series before, but he's not raced that next-gen car in the Cup Series. So for his first time out in that next-gen car, uh, you can't really fault him for the finish. Uh, if they give him more opportunity, uh, I'm sure he will improve because uh, Josh Berry certainly uh, knows his way around a race car. So uh, it could be a great opportunity for him to, to kind of develop himself for a future 
cup opportunity down the road. So with that, I'll let Jay have the final word here. Well, that kind of caught me off guard. I didn't realize this topic was going to lead into an attack on the Air Force there, but their their policy, (laughs) there was some issues with it. It could have been improved. Uh, One thing they did provide was, though, if it isn't uh, what they labeled as a high-risk activity, you certainly had to prove and show training for it. Uh, Again, I couldn't just go out and do snowboarding. I had to show that I was capable of it, which Chase Elliott was. So that would be one where, again, that's, you know, something he did on a regular basis, whether it be throughout the season or the off season. So um, same with motorcycle driving. Uh, I don't think I ever got an approval to, to race cars, uh, as Mike put it. Uh, that one was frowned upon all the way around. But um, there are some things, like I said, of you can make sure that it's the best possible decision. Um, but as and Mike said it, uh, I kind of had that thought of even getting in your car and driving to as Taco Bell or wherever, as he mentioned, statistically probably is a higher risk than anything else. So, you know, you can't, uh, and I think it was Kevin Harvick maybe that used the, the phrase of wrap them in a bubble and put them in a room during the week and then bring them out on Sunday to race the car. So there's a balance. Um, it's unfortunate. Uh, we've seen it before, though. Teams and drivers will get through it. Um, It'd be great. Again, I would certainly be endorse it if Chase Elliott were to come back and win the championship. Uh, I know a lot of people, and Kyle Busch happened to Kyle Busch, became Kyle Busch fans just because it was one of those was going to be extremely hard, even more so in, in Bush's case of getting in the top 30 after even picking up four or five wins, and to then finish it out and win the championship. So uh, you're going to see that. Not that Chase Elliott needs any more support as the the most popular driver, but he'll definitely have it because it is one of those things of uh, seeing that overcoming the obstacle. Uh, as far as Josh Berry, I know that got kind of talked about a little bit. I don't know that he'd have been able to be the fourth Hendrick or complete the top four, but there were some mechanical issues, uh, something with the engine sputtering or the throttle in it that was hiccuping. I don't think his uh, finish of 29th, I believe, was even indicative of that. Uh, I think he was a top 10 to 15 car. Like I said, I don't know if he was going to be the fourth one, but as you all mentioned, that first time in the next-gen car. He had some cup starts, but not in this next-gen car. So, yeah, you can't hold anything really against him. Okay. Uh, Mike, that brings us to you for our next hot topic. Well, I'll get to my hot topic and I'll bring it up in a second, but to Jay's point, I can't wait. If Chase Elliott wins the championship this year, I can't wait for the people who tend to be Chase Elliott fans. If you're a Chase Elliott fan, you're probably not a Kyle Busch fan. So I can't wait for those people who say that Kyle Busch isn't a real champion from 2015 to try and do the mental gymnastics to say, well, Kyle Busch still isn't a champion in 2015, but Chase Elliott is in 2023. I'm really looking forward to seeing that. With that said, let's go to, to the actual hot topic I want to bring up. We haven't talked about North Wilkesboro Speedway in a little while, but there's been a lot of progress at the racetrack. And they're doing, I don't know if you've seen the, the pictures, but they've got a, a, a lot of preservation that they're doing. Obviously, there's a lot of old Winston Cup branding and the signage and posters and whatnot that were left at the track in 1996 when they shut down. Well, to the best extent that they can, they're trying to preserve that. And they've even got waivers for uh, tobacco sponsorship because 
since the Speedway closed, there have been laws that have been passed that prevent tobacco advertising on television and, and sporting events. Well, North Wilkesboro Speedway has a waiver, so now they can leave the Winston Cup branding there uh, as a historical landmark, as well as uh, they posted today they are put, they're installing permanent lights at the facility. And I've actually been talking with the Save the Speedway Reddit account, and it sounds like they've, uh, they've implemented some changes from the Cars Tour where instead of trying to park everyone on the property, they're going to lease out some remote parking areas, and they're going to be running a shuttle service from those remote parking lots to the racetrack. So a lot of things going on at North Wilkesboro Speedway getting ready for the All-Star races coming May. Okay, Andy, and your thoughts? Yeah, I really like the historical preservation side of this. Um, of course, the last time that NASCAR raced in North Wilkesboro, I believe, was 1996. Um, so it's cool that, you know, here in 2023, they're, they're paying homage to, um, the way that the track was left basically from its last use. And so that's pretty awesome. Um, as you know, we preserve history for the track, but, um, obviously it's cool to see them, you know, make some upgrades, um, to some of the infrastructure there and and hopefully try to make the logistics of, of getting fans in and out of the track as easy as possible. So, um, certainly it seems as if a lot of efforts being put into uh, making the all-star race successful. I, I think the idea of racing there is, is fantastic um, as it really truly does pay history or it pays homage to the history of the sport. So, um, you know, in my, in my mind, that's, that's pretty awesome. I, I think that it has to be one of the more anticipated events of the year um, and, and any, anything that they can do to, make uh, the experience as best as possible for those who are going to be there is awesome. So I'm looking forward to seeing how it pans out, but uh, it sounds like it won't be from a lack of effort uh, on their part as far as, um, you know, how the race weekend is going to go. Remains to be seen how the actual racing is. I, I think it'll be great, but, you know, it certainly sounds like the Speedway is doing their part to make sure that it's a successful weekend. Okay, Jay. Yeah, uh, most certainly a great event that they have put in. We knew that there, the talk previously was of how much it was going to take to get it into condition to hold even the, the NASCAR All-Star uh, race that, that week. And I think we're seeing that. Um, the one thing that impressed me is, and I don't know how they did it, to get that waiver for, as Mike mentioned, the Winston sponsor to stay there, even though it's not the sponsor now, for the historical side of it, I think is awesome. And I appreciate whoever made that decision to let that go, um, go through as is. I, I wouldn't have expected that. So you're still rebuilding and bringing it to the future as far as upgrades and, and innovations, but also holding on to the history of it. I, I really like that. Um, I know with the lights thing, you're going to start seeing people get spun up about that. Oh, it's going to be on the schedule every year. NASCAR's coming back or whatever. I don't know if you want to jump that far. I think that being that they are investing the money with the lights, they can hold late model races and other things there and still have it productive as a track. I don't know that we see it as a NASCAR other than the all-star. And we know that that's been changed over the last couple of years of kind of rotating it. So I don't want to see people jump too far ahead. First, we got to see how this one goes and how it turns out. The shuttled issue with, uh, the parking, I know that was one of the big things they talked about with the parking situation. I've always thought that was a viable plan that although people may not want it because they want to park right up where they want to park and close by or whatever, 
um, again, you got to look at it's not just about one individual or you. It's it's as a whole and what they need to do for the facility. And I think that's a great thing. I know then you got to worry about the schedule and, and catching that bus or whatever it is that's transporting them. But, man, enjoy the weekend, you know. I mean, it, it'll take – I'm trying to think Bristol has one. I, you know, some people can't go up the hill there to Bristol. They they had ones that would run out to the parking lot. Take that five minutes to sit on a – I think they were using a, a golf cart to pull some trail um, – like a train carts or whatever, you know, a trolley. Uh, there we go. That's the word I was looking for. Take some time and enjoy that. Uh, you know, it may not be your preference, but enjoy it. It's there and you get to enjoy it, so why not? So I, I like the fact of all they're putting into it. I do think this all-star race is there at North Wilkesboro is going to be very successful. We'll see where it goes moving forward. Yeah, I agree with you guys. I'm super excited about North Wilkesboro. Uh, especially happy about them putting the lights in. I think that's an indication that they're looking at this long term. Uh, and the all-star race is great when you can watch it under the lights. Uh, I always enjoy that part of the all-star race. Um and uh, I do see some longevity being built into all of the improvements that they're putting into it. I like the historical aspect of it with the Winston Cup, uh, with the Winston signage, uh, as you guys have all said. And uh, I look forward to this all-star race uh, happening. You know, the fans are responding as well with all the effort that NASCAR is putting into this and the track is putting into this, the fans are responding. That track was sold out almost immediately as soon as tickets went out on sale. And uh, Mike, I think, can attest to that because he was one of the lucky ones that got a seat. And uh, I like seeing the fans respond to that too because that's one of the reasons why some of these tracks don't uh, end up enduring is because uh, there's not enough people in the seats. So the fact that they've sold out is a very positive sign, and uh, uh, I like that NASCAR is responding by really investing in that uh, track. So, Mike, what are your thoughts? You want to just keep on talking? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at the I guess I do. I do. <laughs> uh, thank you. Uh, we are at that time of the night that uh, I do an announcement for all of our first-time listeners because – we go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, and that means that we'll probably be in mid-sentence when that happens, and I don't want anybody wondering, uh, well, what now? <laughs> We're going to continue recording uh, that part of the conversation, even though you won't be able to hear it on air. You'll be able to hear it on our podcast, and I'll go out on uh, on social media and let you know that the podcast is available at that point, you can fast forward to the two-hour mark, and that's when you can hear the rest of the conversation. Again, we don't want anybody to be caught off guard and wonder, uh, you know, why that's happening or that there's something wrong. Um, it's it's just a standard operating procedure, uh, and we'll be part of that bonus overtime material on the podcast. Okay, Mike, go ahead. Sure. Uh to be honest, I'm really surprised that they are going as deep into the renovation as they are. Uh, obviously, they were going to need to do some work to get the, the place ready to run a Cup Series race, just even if, if it's just a an all-star race. Uh, we knew they were going to need to put in safer barriers. They were going to need to upgrade some of the facilities. 
But they're doing a full-scale renovation rebuild of this place, much deeper than I really expected. Like, I didn't expect them to put in permanent lights, at least not yet. But And like you said, Sharon, I think that's indicative of long-term plans for the future. Yes, the all-star race is a big race, but there's no way they would sink that much money into the speedway for just one single race. So, obviously, if they're putting that much time, money, and effort into North Wilkesboro Speedway, they haven't announced anything yet, but it's pretty indicative that they're, they're looking at, if not a regular Cup Series date, don't forget there is already a points-paying Craftsman Truck Series race scheduled for that Friday prior to the Cup All-Star race. So it is already on a one of the series points-paying schedules. So even if we don't see the Cup Series there, we may still end up seeing the trucks or maybe in the Xfinity Series at North Wilkesboro Speedway. Now, I don't like celebrating failure, but I've got to say I'm kind of happy that the Cars Tour event last summer blew up in their face. I'm really glad that they had all the issues that they had in the Cars Tour this past summer because it exposed a lot of issues that are being worked on and addressed and hopefully fixed for the upcoming Truck Series and Cup Series race. And had they not had the issues with the parking and the lights and the restrooms and all the issues that they had and highlighted in the Cars Tour event, those would have come out in May when we're there for the the, the NASCAR Cross and Truck Series and Cup Series races. So – Getting that hard, those hard lessons learned, I think, is going to make for a much, much better experience for all the fans, myself included, going to North Wilkesboro this May, and I can't wait to get there. <laughs> okay, Andy, your follow-up? Uh, nothing much really to add here other than, um, you know, excited to see, um, you know, how this, this race weekend pans out, but obviously uh, really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a fun one. Okay, Jay. I'm going to try and help Mike out here. Sometimes uh, people have good things. They just don't know how to express it. So, Mike, you're not saying you want to celebrate the failure. You're appreciative that things were lessons were learned from some things that didn't go well. Um, but he's right. Uh, and, and that's why I think it was important to host something there so that, as he said, these things come to light and they can be fixed versus having it on the main stage, a bigger stage of the NASCAR Cup Series All-Star Race. Um, again, I, I certainly didn't want to see it hurt the Cars Tour of that series in any way, shape, or form. And I think it maybe kind of did a little bit. I don't like that. But going back to that, and I think it will lead into my next topic anyway, the investment in it. It is not just a one-off deal, okay, and then set, set aside again. As, you, as you, everybody has said, there seems to be something that with the amount they're putting in for it, you, you saw that the truck series, as Mike said, the truck series is already on that schedule, that it's going to be beneficial long-term, not just a one-off deal. And whether it be utilized by local racing community, the cars tour, the truck series, the fact that it is being utilized again and not just sitting there as an empty track, uh, I really like that. And I say it might lead into the next hot topic. Okay, I don't have anything to add, so Mike, I'll let you have the final word. Well, that's about it. Uh, we're we're still wait and see here as far as how much more is going to get done at North Wilkesboro. We're only really two months, two and a half months away from the event, so 
time is, is definitely taken down here. The last little pieces need to come together. They've still got a lot to finish before they get the place ready. Just looking at the pictures and videos coming out of there, uh, they're doing a great job. They've made a lot of, lot of progress, but they are not ready yet, and they've got uh, eight, what, eight, ten weeks or so to go uh, before all the haulers start pulling in. So I wish them the very best, and I'm looking forward to getting out there. All right. Well said. Andy, you get to bring up the next hot topic. Yeah, looking at the first three uh, Cup Series events to start the year, Chevrolet has uh, swept all three races. <laughs> all right, Jay, your thoughts about Chevrolet? Well, and we haven't seen this in a while, but as they've gone to a, a closer rules package where everybody has to be under the same one, uh, where we don't have the different noses. I know there were some off-season changes made to each manufacturer. Uh, I hadn't really thought about or put it, it jumped in my head that Chevrolet had won the races. But overall, when I think about the drivers that have won or ran well and in contention to win it, I don't think we need to hit that panic button yet of Chevrolet has an advantage. They just happen to have won these first three races. Uh, there were Toyotas in the mix here at, at Las Vegas. Martin Truex being one of them who got shuffled back at the end, but uh, that's only because he was my pick this weekend. Sharon, you can go back to having him next week. <laughs> there, there's been good performance by all manufacturers. I don't see one manufacturer really getting stomped or beat down, nor do I see one manufacturer necessarily dominating. It just so happens they've won the race. And, and you look at it, I think they, it said uh, – with uh, Bob Pockris's tweet, it's been since 2010, and it was Chevrolet at that time as well that we've seen this, the first same manufacturer win the first three races. So uh, I know some people want to get want to get right away jumping in that and say, hey, there's, a, there's an advantage or disadvantage. I don't see it. Uh, I really don't. I think it's been super competitive, and we talked about this with the, the teams, how many different winners we get, um, how many of, throughout the season. You also got to look at the numbers. I think I don't have them handy, but I think Chevrolet still has the advantage of total number of cars versus Ford, and we know Toyota is lacking with only six or seven. So there's always that to factor in, and I know Toyota is looking at that as well of maybe expanding by another car too. Um, so you can't say everything's even from that aspect either. Mike. Well, realistically, what advantage could a manufacturer have these days? There's, they're effectively a spec car. If you strip away the, the body panels and you take the engine out, the Ford, the Chevy, and the Toyota are literally identical. The exact same chassis, the exact same suspension components, transaxle, etc. The only difference between them is the nose, the rear bumper, and the engine. And those body panels are developed by NASCAR and tested by NASCAR, and they go to the wind tunnel to ensure that, yes, they're shaped differently, but aerodynamically they're effectively identical in terms of drag and whatever the nose shape advantages or disadvantages they may have. They're all equalized out in that wind tunnel testing, and then NASCAR finalizes those parts. So it's not like Chevrolet is developing this special car that's making them more competitive. I think that the, the races, the, the three races going to Chevrolet at the beginning of the season, it comes down to equal parts coincidence and organizational capability on the part of the different Chevrolet teams. Don't forget, it's been three different Chevrolet teams that have won as well. 
So you had JCG Doherty winning at Daytona. You had Richard Childress Racing winning at California. And now you've had Hendrick Motorsports winning at Las Vegas. I think it comes down to an organizational preparedness level. You look at all those teams, they are stable, long-term teams with the staff. All those drivers who uh, won those races are established, long-term drivers in the series. And I think that's where it really comes down to. Um, you look at the Ford teams conversely, and there's a little bit less stability. Same thing for the Toyota teams, a lot more turnover, a lot less stability, a lot less certainty. And I think that's where the real advantage is coming in, nothing to do with the mechanics of the actual race car. So if I'm driving a Ford or if I'm driving a Toyota, is it time to hit the panic button? As much as I hate to do it, I've got to agree with Jay, and I've got to say no. <laughs> Well, you kind of led into uh, what I was thinking as well, Mike, because uh, if you remember last year we talked a little bit about it. There were some executives from Ford that left Ford and went over to Chevrolet. We've been talking about it over the last few years that Chevrolet was a little bit behind the curve uh, there for a few years and uh, developing a driver development program. Well, all of that is changing, and they are kind of regrouping and redeveloping uh, as a manufacturer, and I think we're starting to see the results of that. Um, Yeah, there were a few changes made mechanically or not mechanically, but body-wise, I guess, for the uh, each of the cars, each of the chassis for this season, uh, by each of the manufacturers. But uh, I think I think Mike hit, hit the nail on the head. It has more to do with the organizational changes, and not probably within each of the individual teams. But I think overall, uh, you know, from an executive perspective within Chevrolet, uh, that the decisions that they're making that's making it a stronger organization overall. So. Uh, to me, that's where the difference is. You guys are right about the car mechanically, uh, chassis-wise. There's not a lot of differences there between the manufacturers. Uh, so I, I think that we're starting to see the fruits of their labor and um, the fact that you know what was going so well at Ford uh, before is now going really well for uh, Chevrolet uh, with those executives that have moved over. So, Andy, your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I mean, these cars are all supposed to be fairly equal, so it's hard for me to say that, you know, one has a distinct advantage over the other. But I I think you have to consider, I mean, Daytona is Daytona. Anybody can win that race, and it just happened to be a Chevy. Um, mm-hmm. But looking at Fontana in Vegas, um you know, obviously Chevrolet has a package capable of winning races right now, and it's it's hard for teams to really make changes until after the West Coast swing. A lot of the decisions on setups and car configurations are made before the season even starts. And so when you go to Fontana, you know, you kind of have what you have, and if you're good, then you're probably going to be good at Vegas, and we saw that. A lot of the drivers that were – fast at Fontana, continued that trend with good runs out at at Vegas. And, of course, we go to Phoenix to uh, close out the West Coast swing, uh, but that's a completely different ball game um, with the short track next week, and there's a new package for that as well, so that's completely different. But uh, as far as the intermediate stuff that was used at Fontana in Vegas, you really couldn't do much 
um, between those races, you kind of had what you had. So if you weren't very good at Fontana, you were probably hosed for Vegas. And we saw that. I mean, I'll use Stuart Haas as an example. They weren't very good at Fontana. They were pretty bad at Vegas too, but you know, they'll go to Phoenix, which is a totally different ball game where they haven't been bad. Hopefully they'll get their season turned around. Um, the Fords in general were not very good at Vegas. Even Team Penske was pretty bad, too. So um, whatever package that they came up with for the West Coast Wing clearly didn't work. Um, and they'll, you know, be able to start figuring things out for when we get back to the East Coast and they can make some changes to those cars and, and maybe try something different. So um, to your point, no, it's not really time enough for the panic button. We've only seen three race weekends. I think when you get 10 or 12 races into the season and you still can't put it together, that's when it's time to panic. But, um, but yeah, obviously Chevrolet's got something figured out setup-wise, um, you know, and, and clearly that showed in the form of very strong performances at Fontana and Vegas. Uh, and that'll probably continue, but I do think that, you know, as teams – go back and, and make changes to their stuff in the coming weeks, you, you'll probably start to see some more players involved uh, that can go out there and win races. Okay, Jay, your follow-up? Yeah, whenever we talk about that, whether it be a team, a driver, a team, manufacturer, uh, Dave Moody always says it, go about six, six to maybe ten. I mean, ten, you're looking at halfway through the regular season, a third of the full season, but hit the variety of tracks. As you said, what you learn on the West Coast swing, you can't really implement back into your team and your, your cars until you get back um, on the East Coast, get that data and get that next uh, set of cars out if you learn something out there. So you've got to give it a few races anyway. Uh, we look at a, several teams of right now, uh, Tyler Reddick and there was another one I think of right now are, are well down in points haven't had a top 20 finish, okay, that's not indicative of their season. They just had some bugs or whatever. And as Andy mentioned, Daytona is its own separate event, if you will. So give it a little time. You know, five, six races in, hit every type of track. That's where you really evaluate where you are as a whole as an organization, need to, where, where you need to go or focus on. So give it a little more. And I just think at Daytona, I know there was a stretch that, that the Fords really were looking dominant, in my opinion, if you will, and we've seen it of, call it a hot streak, momentum, whatever, when it came to super speedway racing. Fords are the ones who figure out how to run as a team and work together as a manufacturer. Everybody else caught on to that, so it doesn't happen as much where it's leveled out. Everything we, that they go through, you're going to see that. Of One organization may be the first one to hit on it and, and capitalize on it, but it won't take long before the others see it, pick up on it, and implement it into their teams. Um, there two are here at, at Las Vegas. There was a stretch where the Toyotas were up there running with those front-running Chevrolets. They seemed to fall back a little bit uh, at the tail end of that race. I don't, I'm not sure why. Uh, Truex, I know, was due to tires. Denny Hamlin is one that, on that restart, went back about five positions because I don't even think he finished in the top ten. I didn't hear what his issue was. Um, but they were there in contention, so... Uh, so, uh, like I said, I'm not, I'm not ready to jump on any bandwagon of, of something needs to be done to level it out more. I think just right now, Chevrolet's are hitting on all eight cylinders. Mike, your follow-up? 
Well, from an organizational standpoint, I know Andy brought up Stuart Haas Racing. I think if there is any team that should be maybe maybe not hit the button yet, but at least move their finger towards that panic button, I think it would be Stuart Haas Racing. And, yes, it's only three races into this season, but if you look back into last season, Stuart Haas Racing had a pretty rough season last year as well. Yes, Kevin Harvick won those two races back-to-back, and Chase Briscoe won it at Phoenix, but other than that, Storehouse Racing had a very, very weak 2022 season, and they've kind of picked up right where they left off, unfortunately. They just seem to be visibly off the pace, uh, especially every driver there not named Kevin Harvick was a complete non-factor yesterday at Las Vegas as well as at Auto Club. And I think that comes down to organization, and that starts at the very top. I don't think it's a coincidence that Stuart Haas Racing's performance really started to slide when Tony Stewart started the SRX series and the end slid even further when he got involved with NHRA racing. I don't fault Tony Stewart for that. That's, that's what he needs to do. But in terms of management, morale, all those intangible things, when you have a guy whose name is on the side of the building be absent from the organization, or at least appears to be absent from the organization, I think we're seeing the results of that on the racetrack. So of all the teams, I'm not going to tie it to a manufacturer, but I'm going to say that Stuart Haas Racing, being a four-car Ford team, I think that has a lot to do with the overall perception of Ford's performance so far this year. Can they turn it around? Possible. We're going to back to a track where Stuart Haas Racing won last year. Chase Briscoe won this race a year ago at Phoenix. So... I agree with Andy. This is going to be a good barometer for SHR. They have a pretty good notebook for this race. They have won a Gen 7 car race at this racetrack. So if there's any indication, any sign of life from Stuart Haas Racing, I would hope to see it this weekend. If not, maybe my finger actually does start poking that panic button for them. Oh, okay. <clears throat> These things tend to be cyclical, too, uh, is the only th- other thing I'm going to add. Um, then... <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm starting to lose my voice again. Uh, the thing is, is, is you know, Chevrolet will probably have a, a couple of years here where they're going to be really successful, and then people are going to start catching up with whatever it is that they're doing. And then what makes you work harder, sometimes you work harder during the years that you're not doing as well uh, than you do the years where everything's going and clicking along really well. And what happens is that when you're working harder, you discover something, and then you have the competitive advantage, and then everybody's trying to catch up with you. And that's why these things are cyclical. Uh, And so it's Chevrolet's turn right now. Uh, They're doing really well uh, for a lot of different reasons that we've all outlined right here. And uh, we'll see how long it lasts. I hope hope it does last for them, but... uh, uh, if you look at the cycles and how those run, at some point uh, they lose that competitive advantage that they have right now, and uh, somebody else will take over that top spot. But right now, uh, it's their time to shine. Andy? Yeah, basically, you know, you bring up a really good point there, Sharon. You know, teams and organizations, you know, or manufacturers rather, they will – figure out a way to get better if they're a bit off right now and and it is cyclical we've seen you know the best of the best in the sport go through down years and you know truthfully you know coming out of the gate strong is obviously a really good thing if you're Chevrolet 
But you have to try to sustain that too, and you know, I, I, I'm sure they will. I mean, they they will be good all year, no doubt. But you know, sometimes it's a little bit nerve wracking to come out of the gate really strong, because that just means that everybody else is going to be working that much harder to try to catch up and surpass you. So. I don't know if it's a really good thing to be that good early in the year because, you know, trying to sustain that for 36 races is tough. And you have to wonder sometimes if maybe being a little behind the eight ball to start the year, but finishing the year strong is is really the better scenario to be in. So um, I'm not saying that that's going to happen to Chevy. They always find a way to put teams into the playoffs and contend for the championship. But, um, you know, starting the year out, coming out of the gate, being really, really strong just – is really a means by which other teams and, and manufacturers will will use that as the bar that's been set to try to match or su- surpass that performance. And so you have to believe that Toyota and Ford are going to be working at it all year long to try to, you know, be good when it matters, and that's the playoffs. And, and so I guess the point I'm trying to make is just because you come out of the gate strong doesn't necessarily mean you'll finish the year strong. Okay. Uh, let's see, Jay, we've got a few minutes here. Do we have a quick one or did we get to the one you wanted to talk about? Well, yeah, I don't know about quick. And unfortunately, if if it's the last one, I hate to bring one up for a a bad note, but we talked about California auto club speedway. We know there's some changes going on there. The park, uh, part of the property being bought out for industrial park. You had put up South Boston being for sale. Now they're saying it's only to the right group which I take as a good sign, but also Greenville Pickens, I believe that one was being sold to an industrial park. Um, so we were celebrating North Wilkesboro and the revitalization. There's some other ones that are going in the other direction. Okay, Mike. It's really unfortunate. Like, like Jay said, South Boston is just the latest of a long series of racetracks that have been listed for sale or otherwise sold. Uh, don't forget Myrtle Beach Speedway as well uh, just got demolished a couple months ago. So there's a lot of short tracks that are uh, just in general an endangered species, and it's unfortunate to see that South Boston's on there. The, the unfortunate thing for a lot of these tracks, uh, South Boston – uh, Greenville Pickens, Myrtle Beach, and others is they don't have the historical background that North Wilkesboro does. Uh, not to say these tracks aren't historically significant, and there's a lot of drivers in the Cup Series who grew up racing at those kind of places. However, they haven't held a Cup Series race at South Boston or Greenville Pickens or Myrtle Beach, at least not in anyone's recent memory, and it doesn't have that endearing uh, nostalgic factor like North Wilkesboro does. So, Unfortunately, I don't think there's as much of a chance of saving these places. Now, the the family that owns South Boston Speedway says it's only for sale to someone who's going to be a good steward of it. But like we said when we were talking about selling the land that California Speedway is currently sitting on, that that that's all well and good until somebody shows up with an offer you can't refuse. And then suddenly they, they start looking like a really good steward for the property when they want to sell you or they want to you know, hand you several million dollars for that property. It's unfortunate, but that's just kind of the nature of the business. Um, hopefully, like we talked about a couple of weeks ago with the current ownership group, Kevin Harvick, Jeff Burton, Justin Marks, and Dale Jr. buying into the Cars Tour, which is one of the largest weight model touring series in the country. Hopefully that can help preserve some of these local short tracks. Uh, 
having that kind of notoriety behind a series that, that, that this is the bread and butter for those series is these kinds of racetracks. So hopefully that can help stop the bleeding and we can save some of these tracks from being sold and then paved over and into another soulless industrial park. Okay. Andy, your thoughts? Yeah, um, I think we talked about Greenville Pickens the other night on the show, uh, and certainly the South Boston news came out. Um, I hope that whoever buys South Boston has the intention to continue to run it as a racetrack, but nonetheless, there is a, a bit of a disturbing trend of either racetracks being sold for total redevelopment or partial redevelopment, but nonetheless, that's still a downsizing of a racing facility, and it, it's a bit of a disturbing trend that we're seeing uh, in the sport, especially as it pertains to the historical short tracks such as South Boston, Greenville Pickens. Um, you know, looking on the NASCAR side of it, obviously Auto Club Speedway is downsizing a bit, although expected to continue as a revamped short track. But nonetheless, there's a bit of a trend here in, in uh, racetracks either being sold or downsized. And um, obviously, from a track owner's perspective, you know, business decisions have to be made. So I can understand that, you know, selling property for, you know, millions of dollars is is obviously a good decision if you're going to be in the business of, of trying to make money, but it's still a bit disturbing to see some of these facilities um, potentially go by the wayside. So um, specifically with South Boston, hopefully uh, the right owner does come along that can um, invest and promote the facility to maybe holding, um, you know, consistent racing, maybe even, you know, the truck series can go back there like it used to one day. We can all have wishful thinking, and we can certainly hope that um, that the future of South Boston Speedway uh, is in good hands. Okay. Yeah, it's a very sad situation. I think a lot of it has to do with uh, uh, the downturn during the pandemic, and, and I, I think it really hurt a lot of these smaller racetracks. Uh, and, you know, they just haven't been able to recover from it. So this is the end result of that. And when you have a development company like, uh, you know, like Mike said, who comes in and offers you a big, a big check, uh, that's sometimes hard to turn down, uh, especially when you've had maybe two or three years of really, really bad times. So um, it's unfortunate. I hope that at some point we stop hearing that these tracks are being sold and that uh, things are turning around. Uh, you're right that these are not these particular tracks are not tracks that have had Cup Series races or NASCAR races. But keep in mind, this happened at Auto Club Speedway, where that is happening. It's also happening. It happened at uh, Chicagoland Speedway. Um, so some of the bigger tracks are being affected as well. Uh, but the ones that we're talking about today happen to be the smaller tracks. Um, and it is unfortunate. I hope that uh, it does. we do get a turnaround with that regard. Uh, South Boston, it looks like they're trying to maintain uh, the track there. Uh, if it is sold to somebody else, they, it sounds like they're going to try to make sure that the track stays. Uh, north of Wilkesboro is not quite as fortunate. Uh, that's going to close down and be totally redeveloped, and, and that's going to be sad. I think about lost speedways 
that Dale Earnhardt talks about and how sad it is to see some of those speedways uh, and the condition that they're now in uh, after years of neglect. So I, I, um, uh, I hope that we can reach a point where we stop hearing about this kind of thing happening. Uh, I know we encourage fans all the time to get out to a local racetrack if at all possible in, in, in the areas where you live. Uh, these tracks really need the support of the local communities as much as possible. So um, uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, it's it's a very sad situation. Jay, your thoughts? Well, it's probably a good thing you didn't leave me a whole lot of time so I don't get on the soap books, uh, soapbox too long. <laughs> but, Sharon, you kind of hit on something there I'll end with. Uh, the one thing it does upset me, I like, like you mentioned, South Boston at least trying to make sure it does. I know there's no guarantee, you know, you sell it to them, they say they'll take it as a racetrack and run it, but somebody else comes along and says, hey, we want to do this with it, and here's a big lump of, uh, of money, you know, that that's going to come down to uh, making another decision. But fans, uh, especially, as Sharon said, go out and support your local tracks. And I do deal with this on a weekly basis. Uh, this past weekend at Columbus Speedway, Mississippi's oldest dirt track, we got sponsors are coming in. We need the fans to come in. And then the fans to support those sponsors. Uh, there's a reason they put those millions of dollars into being on a car that is out there uh, when it comes to the Cup Series, obviously not at the local level, but also then supporting the businesses. You know, we don't see, used to see in the old days of it was local hometown sponsors that were on these cars because that is they were helping within the community. You see a little bit more of a corporate sponsor being it but either way, uh, you do need to support the sponsors that support these teams, and then as well as getting out to the track. Because um, I hate to see this for and it, two tracks that I haven't been able to go to there on the east of Greenville Pickens as well as South Boston. I know South Boston has some great history as far as at the top national recognized level. Greenville Pickens maybe not as much, but I have seen some of the racing they put on uh, occasionally on some other channels that I get to watch. So... If I had the opportunity, I would have visited those. Uh, I hope those in that area can help uh, bring it back to life. Okay. We're going to let one round be the the deal for that particular topic here tonight, uh, and we'll go ahead and get into our roundtable. Mike, let's start with you on the roundtable. Sure. Mike underscore is on Twitter. Mike double underscore O on Reddit. Good to be back into the swing of things. Uh not a whole lot going on, so I'll talk to you all probably Thursday unless you get called into work. All right. Andy? pg 14 fan for me on uh, Twitter, and uh, good to be back as always. Um, it's nice that I've been able to participate a bit more to start the season. certainly been nice to watch all the racing to start the year. Um, I will, however, have to miss Thursday, uh, but oh. should be back for next Monday. Okay. Uh, Jay, I was hoping you could give us an update here tonight on the Feb Racing Team. I happen to have a good a good uh, week this week, but uh, no, we'll no, save I don't, think we, I don't think we need to talk about. It. We're out of time, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I hear you guys, but we'll we'll update on Thursday with regard to the Fan for Racing Fantasy Group. Uh, but. Uh, uh, Go ahead and uh, do your round table, table cut, Steel. 
Well, real quick, real quick, uh, I will just say James is the one leading overall, so uh, we might want to look at him and what he's doing because he's got us overall. Mike and I did have first pick for the two races this weekend based on last weekend, and those have already been made by – I think Mike wanted to make his already uh, Sunday afternoon or late evening, but, um, again, it's early. It's early, so uh, you can follow me, though, on Facebook, Michael Hoosman, Mopar MJ 8 on Twitter and Instagram. I mentioned I was at Columbus Speedway this weekend, spanning Columbus this next weekend for Magnolia Motor Speedway, helping out both tracks in the same town. And then another couple of weeks, and it'll be back down to your Capital City Raceway, Jackson Motor Speedway. And don't just come out for the announcer or whatever. You want to come talk to me, I'd like to talk. But I'm one that, again, if that track needs help selling tickets, that's the ticket booth. Uh, you know, support your track however you can, please. Jackson Motor Speedway, your capital city raceway. (laughs) There you go. There we go. Uh, (laughs) Okay, it is, um, uh, I am Fan for Racing site on Twitter, Fan for Racing blog and radio on Facebook, and elsewhere, including our website, fanforracing.com. We have the recaps from Sam Bornhorst. We've been having the power rankings from Owens and Stewart, as well as the recaps of uh, all of the races uh, in the Arkham Menard series, as well as the uh, NASCAR's top three. So uh, definitely looking forward to uh, the show this coming Thursday night with Jay in which we will preview the races that are coming up at uh, Phoenix Raceway, including the Arca Menard Series in Arca West, uh, season opener for Arca West, the second race for the Arca Menard Series, racing out at Phoenix, one race, two series, and uh, looking forward to that race as well. So uh, with that, uh, a big shout-out to our listeners for tuning in. We appreciate all of you. Uh, whether it's on the podcast or the live broadcast, we appreciate you taking time to hear what we have to say. And we hope you enjoy it as much as we enjoy doing it. Uh, so uh, with that, guys, I think we're ready uh, to call it a night here at Fan for Racing. Good night, everybody. And I will talk to you on Thursday for sure. Good night. Okay, good night. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.